You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Dr. Geek's Laboratory. Hello everyone, Dr. Geek here with a shout out to all the scientists who worked tirelessly to bring a COVID-19 vaccine into reality. <laughs> Let's face it, creating something of this magnitude is a miracle worthy of Dr. McCoy himself. And now, Dr. Geek needs you to do your part. Remember, each shot is one small step back to normal, one giant leap to putting the pandemic behind us. We can do this. For more information, visit vaccines.gov to find your nearest provider. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about season two of Iron Fist. So, yeah, you might realize that this is a really old one we recorded quite some time ago after the second season of Iron Fist aired. It was another one of those ones that kept getting pushed back. It's also a really excellent episode, though. The sad thing to me, looking back on it, is that we still had so much hope. We knew Luke Cage had been canceled, but we had this suspicion. It's like, there's no way they're going to leave Luke Cage and Iron Fist the way that they did. They're going to cancel both of those shows, and they're going to do a Daughters of the Dragon series and or a Heroes for Hire series, and there must be some plan. It's going to keep going forward, and as we know, none of that happened, and, and Luke Cage and Iron Fist remain the two Netflix shows that just had awful endings because they didn't really end. They left us wanting more. At least Daredevil, Punisher, and Jessica Jones got to have actual endings so that even if the characters could continue... Where we left them was not a bad place. It was, it was okay to leave them there. So, yeah, uh, you know, here we are. <laughs> 2021. We're finally cleaning out the backlog, getting all these old episodes out. But I hope that you don't look at it that way. I hope that you look at it as, oh, let's hear what their opinions were on season two of Iron Fist. And I think that you're really going to enjoy it. Uh, in more personal news, Beth and I are about to watch Cowboy Bebop. She's never seen that before. We just wrapped up Dragon Ball Super, so we were looking for another anime to watch, and Cowboy Bebop is probably the last of the big anime series that I have in my collection that Beth hasn't seen yet, so I'm gonna show that to her, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what her opinion is. I know this is somewhat controversial among anime fans, but even though I like Cowboy Bebop, I do not believe it is the best anime of all time. I know a lot of people think that it is, but it's not even in my top 10. It's a good show. You know, I, I'll be happy to watch it again. It's been you know, 20 years, so <laughs> I'll definitely want to watch it again. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's too standalone for me. Let's put it that way. I, I like things that have more evolving storylines and deeper plots. Then I got out of Cowboy Bebop, which is a very much a one-and-done episode. I know there are like the four linked episodes throughout the series, but 
you know, so there's one arc that kind of goes through the, the, you know, four of the episodes, but it's not, you know, there are a lot deeper animes out there. Let's put it that way. But yeah, so we're watching that, uh, still watching the CW stuff, watching through Warehouse 13. We're on the third season of that show. And of course, we will do an episode once I've finished that. I'm thinking of actually combining it with the librarians. I know we did do a librarians episode, but there's so much that's similar and so much that's different between Warehouse 13 and the librarians that I almost think a compare and contrast will be a lot more exciting than just doing a traditional let's review this show kind of episode. So just watch this space for that. But yeah, that's all that I have for right now. So let's join the episode already in progress. Let's meet our guests for this week. And so I'm going to change things up a little bit uh, from how I normally do it. And uh, first, I'm going to introduce the guy who is just fashionably late. He is always wrong about his views on the show. And that is my nemesis, Ryan Guthrie. How are you doing, Ryan? Uh, you know, I- I'm never late for dinner. As long as you have your priorities right. Yeah, exactly. And and I feel like you should tell your audience that uh, stay. Yes, we're talking about Iron Fist season two, but stay. It's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. <laughs> it's. I feel like it's like the Agents of Shield thing, where like so many people gave up in season one, and I've been trying to convince them, like, no, 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 no. You got to come back because each season gets better than the one before it. And, you know, most people just don't listen. They don't even try. You know, they're like, oh, I watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and it wasn't really that good, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. So. Fingers crossed. You know? Yeah. I mean, I'm hearing that kind of thing about Iron Fist, too. But I think because it's tied in with the other Netflix shows, more people are willing to give it, you know, like a few episodes just to see if it did get better. And That's so, true. That's yeah. true. I, I, it's got I, more connective tissue. Right. Yeah. But uh, what's been going on for you since the last time you were on, Ryan? Uh, well, you know, aside from uh, feeding my Oreo habit, um, <laughs> I, I, which I'm knocking, sponsored by Nabisco, uh, I recently saw Venom <laughs> just once. Uh, it, it was an okay movie. Uh, is, is once, a, I, I would think once is enough. Once, once is very much enough. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and I, I, I guess it's worth it. I for the after credit scene, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've <laughs> I've is... heard that there's two credits, uh, like a, a mid credits and a and a post credits scene. So, um, but yeah, I've heard that there's something uh, interesting in that very last one, but I don't know what it is. Well, I won't spoil it for. I mean, it's not a big deal if I did, but. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, right. yeah. Other than that, you know, I'm uh, just living large uh, and counting the days to my vacation in two weeks. You're living large because of the Oreos that you're eating, right? Because of the Oreos, which, <laughs> but I'm I'm balancing it out with diet Pepsi, so it works out. Uh, yeah, I I I think that's just something you're telling yourself, Ryan. <laughs> Shut up, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> Dream killer. Now, now it sounds like a conversation with my wife, but. Yeah. <laughs> you know, honey, if you want to lose weight, you shouldn't be eating the Oreos. Oh, no, never mind. Yeah, I do want my hand. Yeah, that's a guy. I, right. I twist them open. That burns calories. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll let you live in your fantasy world. <laughs> well, it's good to have you back on, Ryan. Good to be back. <laughs> All right. And next up 
is the lady that's introduced me to the Sarah Connor Chronicles, uh, Orphan Black, and now Fringe. And that is my buddy, Angie. How are you doing, Angie? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me back. Oh, no problem. Um, I'm really enjoying Fringe. I'm very glad you're enjoying Fringe. <laughs> I have excellent taste in television. <laughs> Did you, I'm sorry, I was laughing. Did you say you have excellent taste in television or I do? <laughs> Uh, I do. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'll agree with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but see, the sad thing is that uh, is that it's it's uh, you only introduced me to shows that are already done. So you know, I don't. I, I'll binge it and then I'll be done and then it will be sad. Well, that's all right. We'll we'll podcast about Fringe when you finish. You may regret watching this season. <laughs> Yeah, you know, one day I need to rewatch Sarah Connor Chronicles, and then we should podcast about that too. Yeah, we should definitely do that one. Yeah, and that one is disappointing just because it didn't really end. <laughs> True enough. Yeah, canceled yeah. before its time. Yep. But uh, so, what's been going on for you since the last time you were on? Mm, not too much. I'm uh, enjoying the fall weather and some pie and some cider and um, yeah. Fall is my favorite time, so I did manage to finally watch Ant-Man and the Wasp, mm-hmm. um, which was a lot of fun. Um, didn't like the magic quantum energy thing, but otherwise it was a good time, starring the immortal Paul Rudd. Yeah. Christopher of Kunlun. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I uh, For whatever reason, I, I enjoyed Ant-Man and the Wasp, but it felt like it wasn't as fun as the original Ant-Man, and I don't know if that's because it really wasn't as fun, or if it's just because I kind of know what to expect now, and uh, so it wasn't as, uh, you know, it wasn't as surprising as that first Ant-Man was with how much I liked it. Um, I think they didn't do a lot of new, there wasn't a lot of new groundbreaking stuff, mm-hmm. um, but it was still a good time. I mean, I also didn't see it in the theater, so that might have affected my viewing. Mm. But yeah, I like the first one better as well. Yeah, so next up is Captain Marvel from the MCU. Yeah, her voice is really high. Okay. (laughs) It was Uh, not what I was expecting in the trailer. Okay. (laughs) Not the usual comment that I hear about Captain Marvel movie, but fair (laughs) enough, fair enough. I was just squeeing over the costumes because I was like, oh, they got them right. And also seeing young Sam Jackson was kind of cool. Coulson is just like, he looks the same except more hair, you know? So it wasn't really like a big change there. Um, somebody was like, uh, it doesn't even look like they did any CG. It looks like they just put a toupee on Clark Gregg. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, well, that's cool. And, and it's good to have you back on, Angie. Thanks. And finally... Uh, he is our expert in all things Conan. He is uh, a, a critic, a gamer. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> I lost where I was going with this. He's a critic and a gamer, and he's a blogger, and that is my buddy Mark Finn. How are you doing, Mark? I am the immortal monkey head. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm living it up, thanks. Uh, happy to be back. Happy to be talking about Iron Fist. I have comments for each of you in turn. I was trying to be quiet and respectful while he got through the introductions. Yeah, for the second uh, time. But yes, but now that um, now that now that it's my turn to talk, okay. Uh, first of all, there is no diet drink fouler 
than anything Pepsi. Um, <laughs> the reason why Ant-Man and the Wasp felt like uh, more of the same is because it was. And that's okay because, you know, every episode of Spider-Man as a comic book reads the same. And so once they've established sort of the style template, they're going to run with that. There are exceptions, and we're going to talk about one of them uh, on this podcast. And then finally, um, I had not... Uh, I haven't watched uh, Fringe, but we have them. So I'm looking forward to to diving in on that. Although, at the rate you go with podcasts, uh, we will be circling around to the 25th anniversary by the time we get to recording it. So, uh, so I'm saying just hold out and go long. Okay. Hi, everybody. I feel attacked here. <laughs> so, uh, what's been going on for you lately, Mark? Oh, it's been uh, it's been pretty good. Uh, I've been very busy. Uh, you know, we've got some uh, some personal stuff going on at uh, the uh, Day Finn bunker uh, here in North Texas, but uh, we're weathering that storm. And I am uh, I have sort of uh, channeled some of my uh, frustrations into renewed blogging. I actually have started a second blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, called uh, Confessions of a Reformed RPGer, uh, and uh, I'm really liking what's on that right now. I'm having having fun with it. So, yeah, yeah, you are uh, prolific. I turned into uh, I turned into a little blog machine. I uh, I, I keep thinking I'm, I'm I'm any day now I'm going to just jump back into prose and comics and stuff and. And then every day I go onto Twitter and spend five minutes going, there is no way I'm going to trawl this garbage scow uh, with anything creative. I'll just uh, keep writing about uh, things from a nonfiction point of view and, and, and just give Twitter enough rope to hang itself. So, Yeah. My problem with Twitter is the is the character limit. I, I don't feel like I can express. Although it's better now that they've expanded it, but uh, I, I've never liked Twitter because it feels like I can never like say enough, you know, and then it like cuts me off. And I hate doing like the I'll post this and then say like one of however many and then post something else and say you know I I, I don't know. I feel like everybody should just be on Facebook. <laughs> I, I, it's just a wretched hive of scum and villainy. I, I just, there's, you know, the, the most extreme anonymous examples of, of humanity are par- parade around on display like naked pigs, uh, in 1984, uh, an animal farm. And it just makes me crazy. So, uh, the, the less amount of time I can spend on there, the, the better. Uh, at least with Facebook, I can get uh, puppy videos. And the occasional, this turtle made friends with a rooster. And look how adorable it is. And uh, <laughs> right right now, right now, animal, unlikely animal friendship videos are pretty much getting me through the day. Yeah. No, I, I know exactly what you mean. Cause I, and the funny thing is, I don't even know how those turn up on my feed because I haven't liked a page for it or anything. It's just like, randomly, Facebook will throw those videos in front of me. And it's just like, oh, isn't that sweet? You know, like, the dog and the horse are best friends, you know? <laughs> I Well, the it's their algorithm. And I've tried to circumvent it, and I can't do it. Because I, no matter how many times I try to not like and block and actively, like... Uh, spit daggers at the uh, on this date 
34 years ago, mm-hmm. Goonies premiered. Uh, I hate those posts. I hate them. I, the last thing I need to be reminded of is my impending doom. <laughs> and the the to me, Goonies happened about nine weeks ago. Right. <laughs> and so when you tell me it was actually 34, 107 years ago or whatever, and, and all the comments underneath it were, damn, my mom wasn't even born then. Yeah. Then, then, I, then I just flip out. I just, I lose my shit. And life is too short to scream at computer screens. So... Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll go find, I'll go get the pit bull calendar and, and look through the little puppies, uh, sitting on haystacks and go, Oh, little pit bull puppies. You never let me down. <laughs> I know just exactly what you mean though, because yeah, I'm always like, oh, I can't possibly be that many years. Oh, Oh yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Hit, hit, hit like and comment if you remember uh, where you were. Yeah, I know where I was. I, I'm me, damn it. I don't need a reminder. Right. Quit showing me. Quit showing me short circuit. Number right. five is not alive. I'm not interested. Oh man. What I what I need to do is I need to start quietly unfriending all of my friends who keep insisting that no Remo Williams was relevant. No, no. Uh, p- the Police Academy Five movie was the best one of the, all the Police Academy movies. Yeah, we the, none of not everything needs to be commemorated. You know. Yeah. Not everything needs to be immortalized. Like Iron Fist. See what I did? <laughs> it circled back around. Very good, Mark. <laughs> That's that's called a leg sweep. Yeah, uh, yeah, in Iron Fist lingo. <laughs> For those of you martial artists out there, there'll be a number of these terms dropped in the podcast. You might want to get a piece of paper and some uh, pencils and take notes. <laughs> uh, I thought it's a Karate Kid reference. You know that came out. Uh, <laughs> I'm, listen, I'm, don't don't do it. I'll come through the microphone. <laughs> uh, everybody, get out your notebooks because there will be a quiz later. But, That's right. This will, this will be on the test. Right. Uh, it's good to have you back on the show, Mark. Thanks, brother. All right. Well, you know what's coming up next, and that is our five-minute controversy. And that is just a little something that we do to loosen up before we talk about uh, the topic for the week. And this week, I wanted to talk about a little movie called X-Men Dark Phoenix. Um, the trailer for that dropped, uh, I want to say, two weeks ago, maybe three. Um, and, uh, there's been quite a conversation circling around it. So, um, I wanted to ask, do you feel like we needed to retread the Phoenix storyline? And do you feel from this trailer that Fox is going to do something significantly different from last time? So, um, Angie, why don't we start with you? Uh, no and no. About it. Very succinct. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to elaborate on there at all. You know, I watched the trailer. I hadn't seen it. Mm-hmm. You asked us to watch it, and I did. And I feel nothing about it at all. I don't know. It doesn't excite me. Doesn't bore me. I don't. I don't have anything to say about it. I don't even know if I'll go see it in the theater. I just. It's. We needed another Phoenix saga. Like. No, we didn't need it at all. <laughs> There's, and, and frankly, whatever they're doing with it, you know, I, I usually like to see fresh takes on things, but I don't know. I'd pick something else. <laughs> There's so many other stories. <laughs> well, 
Fox has a uh, has a has a nice legacy of making movies that people don't care one way or the other about, like Fant Four Stick. <laughs> the latest Fantastic Four movie, where most of the comments that I was hearing were, you know, at least if it was bad, you know, you might enjoy it for just being a B movie, but it was just so blah that you couldn't feel one way or the other about it. Um, so, so I know exactly kind of the feeling that you're talking about there, Ryan. What about you? Um, crap. What were the two questions? I mean, I know. <laughs> what they're about but specifically what were the two questions <laughs> somebody didn't have their notebook out and wasn't taking uh, notes yeah. <laughs> well i could just say no and no as well but actually my answers are no and oh i remember what they were no i don't i i remember i, I remember the second. okay D -d did we need to revisit the the phoenix storyline and do you feel like fox is doing something significantly different and with my it answers were no and maybe um like to the first part the X-Men, the history of the X-Men goes back so far and there's so many stories they could do that they didn't need to retread this one. I I, I like the new cast well enough. I don't love them and it, it kind of lacks that magic that uh, the, the 2000 X-Men and X2 had. Um, but I guess maybe it's because I kind of get the feeling that this cycle of mutant movies be it x-men new mutants x-force gambit whatever they're going to be the last that we're going to get um the writing's mm -hmm. pretty much on the wall there so i guess i'm just kind of i'm not invested in it i don't see uh, a point and really getting all wrapped up in it i'll go see it because well because i'm an idiot mainly and i'm loyal to the franchise x-men was my very first comic book franchise so yeah mm -hmm. i just i kind of have to and and because i'll be curious to see how they'll shoehorn hugh jackman into it whether he wants to be or not <laughs> <laughs> and, oh they're just gonna mocap yeah. him and cgi <laughs> him onto somebody else i mean he will be there in some form <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but as far as doing something different about it um i, I know some people i won't name any names nathan were upset because uh, the trailer seemed to suggest they weren't going to go cosmic and maybe they aren't um, but I didn't see anything in the trailer that said they specifically that they weren't. The first trailer is no way to judge. And there was one character, uh, the woman with, with kind of the whitish hair, which maybe she might be Leandra or she might be, uh, I don't know. I don't know who she is yet. So I still feel like they could do something different. They could take a risk and they could go cosmic. I, I think it's a coin flip whether or not they will, but it's possible. Okay. Uh, Mark, what about you? First of all, yes and yes. Um, did you two see X3? I mean, really. <laughs> am, am, I, am I the only one here? Apocalypse. Uh, I mean, dear sweet God, that thing was uh, that thing was That's... a nightmare. Uh, you know, and, and you talk about the charm of of the the first cast. Well. Yeah, it was charm, but it was also uh, the kind of magic trick that you see when David Copperfield makes the Statue of Freaking Liberty disappear. You didn't think it was going to happen, and then it happens. And so, you know, we get an X-Men movie in 2000 that didn't suck, and it was like, yeah. what? How, the, oh, I, was this Marvel Comics? What the? I don't understand. And then they doubled down. Right. I mean, as soon as that uh, as soon as the Nightcrawler attack happens in the White House in X2, our heads exploded, you know, and, and so that franchise and, and so and that kind of set everything up. And so uh, when we go to X3 and it feels like we've skipped a movie 
here's all these people that we'd never seen before, and it's it feels like there's stuff happening that that they alluded to but never really paid off. The whole thing. What it feels like is somebody had their little check card out of all the mutants they wanted to throw well, in, and they're like, yep, we have a scene with this one, this one, and even worse, a lot of times they didn't even look like their comic counterparts, it was just, we need this power set. Yep, check that power set off, this one, this one, and yeah. It was, was it was ass, and it was universally ass, and you know, uh, if there's one thing Rapey McClammy Hands did for us, it was go back and wipe <laughs> out that movie so that it never happened. You know, uh, and, and I'm, I'm uh, you know, if I'm thankful of anything uh, in that guy's uh, garbage career, I'm uh, I'm grateful for that because X3 was, you know, a, a nadir for the for the for the franchise. Now, all of that said, mm-hmm. um, I don't I don't think they're going to go cosmic. And I'll tell you why. Um, nobody cares. You know, uh, nobody cares. Uh, the, you know, for 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 that story to happen, the way you're wanting it to happen, they would have had to start something ten years and eighteen movies ago. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. And and th- th- there's just no time, especially now when, and because here's the deal: if the writing's not on the wall, it's gonna be on the wall <laughs> real soon. And I mean, that's why they've pushed this back. They've pushed New Mutants and 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 uh, and Dark Phoenix back both to sort of try and milk out and 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 wait out the this corporate deal that we don't know anything about. So, you know, I, I mean, I honestly, I don't think you can get people, even X Men fans that go to the movies, to care about a planet that we're introduced to at the beginning of the movie when it's so much easier to have her threaten the entire planet earth, which we do care about because we're on it. <laughs> so I think that's where <laughs> the thing is going to be. And that's how it's going to, you know, go forward. I agree that the cast is, is maybe not better, but certainly different. I like the, the more unified tone and energy of the last few movies, but, um, you know, they've already done one almost complete set of uh, of uh, rotational, you know, uh, actor changes. So we're going to we're going to see more of this. And, uh, you know, they're going to probably kill Jean Grey and then allude to her being not really dead. And, and that's, you know, honestly, if you're an X-Men fan, that should be the thing that you, that makes you squee. You know, uh, the, the, the notion that uh, there's an egg at the bottom of the ocean uh, with uh, with an alternate reality, uh, you know, Marvel girl uh, lying in wait for John Byrne to come out and and, and resurrect it uh, when he gets back to the comic book in 10 years. So I don't know. We'll see. I, 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 I liked the trailer. It looked you know, the thing is, it looked just like the last three or four X-Men trailers. Oh, oh wow. Another X-Men movie. Oh, there's some stuff. Oh, there's a guy. Oh, that looked neat. <laughs> oh, he's got the thing on. Oh, he's bald still. You know, because because these things all hang in space. They're not really connected uh, like a Marvel movie. So we just have to kind of go in and spend the first 10 minutes decoding all of the clues to let us know where in the, in the new X-Men timeline this is. Uh, so, I, you know, I think it's going to be great. I think I think people are going to like it. I agree that there's more stories to tell, uh, but but Fox is still mired 
in pre-Marvel Cinematic Universe thinking, which is this idea that we don't know if we're going to get another chance to make this film, so let's put every egg in our basket into it because you know we may not we may not have another opportunity what they should have been doing when they restarted first class is plant the seeds for dark phoenix mm-hmm. right and we should be four movies in and now the fifth one is going to be dark phoenix and then it, then people were going like dude they had this planned all along that's so awesome you know what would be really great is if they could fight thanos and so um, <laughs> you know that's what they, but they didn't each one of these movies has hung together like like we're only going to get one shot at an X-Men movie, guys. And so that's what that's what it is. Uh, I'm kind of surprised. Yeah. I, I think I'm the least X-Men fan of all of y'all. And uh, I'm the one most excited to see the movie. <laughs> Maybe that's because we have yeah, higher I mean... standards. <laughs> or it could be I have brilliant insights. It's one of the two. <laughs> it's one of the two, I know. Yeah, see, see, I uh, come at this in the middle from all of you guys because I would say yes to my first question because for the same reasons Mark said, because X3 was awful, and I feel like I need to wash the taste out of my mouth with, you know, a, a better version of that movie. And I was initially very excited for uh, Dark Phoenix, but then I saw the trailer and I was like, this is the same script from X3, you've just recycled it with the new cast. It's Gene who already has the powers, you know, without it being an actual Phoenix Force, it's just like part of her and it was with her since she was a little kid. And, you know, the whole thing of her going over to Magneto's side and everything else, I'm like, you guys had the opportunity to redo this and you're just doing the same storyline. So, um, you know, that, uh, I don't know. I, it just made me feel really blah about it, and so it took away all of the excitement that I had for it. And uh, I, and I and I disagree with. Or I agree with Mark that Fox is still mired in pre MCU thinking, but. I, I, I say that not because they're trying to put everything in there. In fact, I think they're not because they're not putting the cosmic stuff in there. I think the problem is they're thinking we need to keep it grounded. You know, that's that pre-MCU thinking of, oh, well, you can't make it like a comic book. It's got to be realistic, quote unquote. So even though we have somebody with telekinesis, we can't let her go into space because that's unrealistic. She's got to stay on Earth. And so that's the problem that I have with it is that they're still stuck in this idea that these these shows, these movies aren't allowed to do like the really heavy comic book elements. And, uh, you know, that's that's why I'm kind of blah on the whole project. Okay, okay. All right, no, I, 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 that makes sense. I, you know, um, hey, maybe they, uh, maybe they are going to send her away. But I, I know this, you know, uh, you know, if she, she can't destroy a planet because there's nothing in the X universe for her to destroy except the one that we're on. So, right. No, you're right. Yeah, I, I, I said this before, but I'm shocked that once Guardians uh, went uh, super popular at Marvel, that Fox didn't say we're doing a Star Jammers movie. Um, I expected it. I thought for sure Fox would do Star Jammer so that they could have their own sort of like comic book space movie. And uh, I'm still surprised. But I think it's because of that whole grounded thing that they're still stuck in that thinking of that's too far off the wall. You know, people won't accept it. But I'm like, go watch the MCU. People are accepting it there. So anyway. But, um, all right, so, yeah, the, I'm happy because uh, the last, uh, I don't know, for a while now, the five-minute controversies, everybody's been agreeing, so I'm glad that there's been some disagreement this time. <laughs> way, way to foment unrest, Nathan. Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> all right um it makes for better podcasting is the thing but uh all right so um before we dive into our topic let's pause for a moment for a promo from another fine podcast Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. People are just losing their minds trying to consume Marvel products right now, and I don't blame them. This is some of the best entertainment you can get on TV and big screen right now. If something's going to be successful or not, they look at the mentions, they look at the likes, they look at the retweets and the tweets and the subtweets and the tweet tweets, and they look at all of that to say, okay, this is actually going to garner a lot of attention. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and right here on the ESO Network. And we're back. And like we talked about at the uh, beginning of the show, we're going to talk about season two of uh, Marvel's Iron Fist, the uh, defender of Kun Lun, sworn enemy of the hand. <laughs> Which he actually didn't say this time. I was so happy. But anyway, <laughs> so um, I did two episodes on Iron Fist last time because I wanted to have a group that... Uh, was familiar with the comics and one that wasn't familiar with the comics so that I could sort of get a read on, you know, which was the group that, you know, was harder on the show. And funny <coughs> enough, it was the people who weren't familiar with the comics that I felt overall were much more negative uh, than the ones who were familiar with the comic, who who tended to want to find excuses uh, for the show and to try to say that, you know, th- things are going to get better. And, and I thought that was interesting. Cause usually we hear that it's the fanboys that are, uh, you know, so negative on things and can't stand for things to be different. But um, this time I'm not going to do that because <laughs> two podcasts for one show is too many. So... Uh, but but yeah, I wanted to talk about the you know the the second season, and um, I think we can all agree it was a dramatic shift from the first season. Yeah, um, understatement. Yes, right. <laughs> I'm still there's I, there's about 700 people on my list on Facebook that I'm still waiting for an apology from because I was right about everything. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I was right about all of it. It's very rare when I crow because I don't always get it right, and I acknowledge that. Sometimes I'm out there where the buses don't run, but on this one, Mm -hmm. everything I said would come to pass has come to pass. You're welcome, the internet. (laughs) Okay, how modest of you. Like I said, Um, even a broken clock is right twice a day. (laughs) So, Mark, um, we had you on Defenders, but we didn't have you on Iron Fist. Um, What did you, how did you feel? I mean, your predictions aside, how did you feel about that first season of Iron Fist? It was, uh, you know, let's, uh, you know, let's call it what it was. It was absolutely the weakest of the, the Netflix offerings. No doubt, Mm -hmm. you know, and as a comic book Iron Fist fan, absolutely, I was disappointed. You know, it'd be wrong to say that I wasn't. Um, But I let me just, you know, and I hate to keep using this as a comparison, but the first season of Iron Fist, 
I thought was way better than the first season of Arrow or every single mm. episode of Birds of Prey or the Nick Fury TV movie starring uh, the Hoff, you know? Uh, or, I don't know about uh, that one. That was really good. Yeah, well, here's the deal. Um, <laughs> a broken clock is also wrong most of the time. So, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, as, and it certainly, you know, and, and probably it didn't help that, it, that we were getting Iron Fist on the heels of, you know, uh, a really strong Luke Cage opening, uh, a surprisingly good Jessica Jones uh, series that nobody really kind of thought much of to begin with. And then the second season of Daredevil, which, you know, it kept that wonderful kind of, let's call it long form pacing uh, and managed to also uh, introduce Elektra and the Punisher. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and allude to, you know, uh, Kingpin kind of being around in the third season, which we now see is coming to pass. So I, to me, you know, the, the part of it was that, that we are comparing it against really good things. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so that was, you know, I, I, I won't apologize for the show. I mean, I had nothing to do with it. In fact, if I had had something to do with it, it would have not looked like that. But once again, I was not consulted. And, uh, so, you know, I think, uh, you know, the, the guys that run the Marvel stuff and, and Jeff Lowe in particular, it, they're very aware of what people are saying about their, their properties. And this, second season is looks like a course correction checklist from the internet. You know what I mean? I mean, everything that everybody had a problem with got addressed, dealt with, Mm -hmm. or, um, or answered in some way. So that's, that's, that's rare to have that kind of response, uh, sort of implicitly tacked into a series ordinarily, you know, you might see one or two things be different or an incremental change or whatever. Uh, these were pretty sweeping and pretty immediate, which is cool. Yeah. Well, of course, they got rid of Scott Buck right away, which is probably one of the one of the large, large contributors to the change in tone for the season. No. Um, so, Angie, I remember from our Iron Fist podcast that you had a particular uh, issue with uh, some of the facts that were in the show. So, did you find anything in season two that bothered you in the same way? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, Rand Corporation didn't cure cancer? Not well, maybe they still have cured cancer. They're not doing anything about it. <laughs> Nothing on that no. level. But, uh, but, 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 Angie, uh, so... Overall, how did you feel about season two compared to season one? I feel really good about season two, um, where season one felt like it felt like filler. It felt like they were trying to take up space and time and throwing things in there um, that mm-hmm. you know didn't really have any follow through. I thought the season was really tight. I thought that all the narrative threads were very neatly integrated and tied up. Um, and it was... Uh, you know, you could you could see where it was going um, instead of just kind of scratching your head and wondering why you just watched an episode about something that got dropped and never brought up again. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, I I would say hundred percent at least improvement this season. I like that Danny cut his hair. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't look like, you know, it's just some wet 
rat's nest, you know. It's, it looked kind of, you know, neat and trim. I, I liked it. But, um, uh, Ryan, uh, how about you? How do you feel about Season 2 compared to Season 1? Well, okay, I would say the biggest problem with Season 1, you know, was, like, like we've said, it, I, I don't know necessarily felt like filler so much as it felt rushed. It felt like, mm -hmm. uh, oh my gosh, we promised the Defenders, and oh, we still have one left we got to do. And uh, here he is real quick. And this this season, it showed what can happen when you have a good showrunner and you take time. When you, you hire an actor who is good good for the role but hasn't had the training and you've got scripts that make sense and they're not the, – the ink is actually dry on them when you get them. And it's just – yeah, everything about the season basically said we listened and we heard you and – we're going to make it better. I'm surprised that nobody's brought up the fighting yet. I think that, again, that goes to uh, um, Finn Jones. Uh, yeah, he's had a year to, to train. And you can, you mentioned his haircut, but he's if you, even if, if you look at him, he's put on some weight. I mean, uh, he's, he's a little bit bulkier. He's not... He's not Mike Coulter, uh, you know, but, but even still, it, I can tell he's been training and there were, there was less hidden faces or cameras from the side, from the back. This, he actually did more of his own fighting and, and stunts from the looks of it. Well, yeah, I mean, they sustained shots yeah. with him doing martial arts, whereas before it was like, cut, 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 you know, I mean, like, uh, you know, you you could tell it was the stunt double because they kept shooting him from behind and whatnot, and then you'd cut to his face and he might do like one punch and then you'd cut <laughs> away again, you know, I mean, it was, it was, it was jarring to watch, it was poorly done, and they weren't exciting at all, and here, even though it's still clear to me that the actress who plays Colleen is a much better martial artist than he is, um, which is why it's kind of funny every time, like she says, like, "Oh, Danny's like the greatest martial artist I've ever seen." I'm like, "But you are clearly better." <laughs> but <laughs> she just look in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> but but the fact of the matter was he's he's trained. You yes. can tell that he's trained. You can tell that he's practiced the choreography, and and the fact that he's able to sustain those shots and actually do a few moves in succession really helps sell the narrative of him being this great warrior and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I really appreciated the how far the fighting has come um, since the uh, since the first season. It also helps that he's not fighting, as as my friend Jeff Mueller says, uh, a Euro trash ninja. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, but Mark, so you mentioned that uh, that uh, you had a lot of predictions after the first season came out. So, um, what what were some of the things that you mentioned the, or that you said that was going to happen that they uh, that they did in the show? Well, the I, I mostly uh, talked about how they were going to address the problems, you know, mm. um, they, and I, I think it was part partially personal pride and also kind of a realization that, um, you know, they let this get away from them. You know, there was a real sense of, uh, we're going to, you know, like it felt, it felt like the official corporate stance is we hear you and we are taking it under advisement and then and then you know they went they went kind of quiet on it for a while and then he makes a sudden cameo in Luke Cage season 2 mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it's a different character mhm mm all of a sudden he's way more loose and lightened up all of a sudden he's not uh he's not Luke Skywalker uh you know 
straight out of Star Wars. Uh, it's it's a it was a it was a I think that was signaling to the fans, you know, get ready uh, because they had all the other pieces in place. And it was clear that part of this was to sort of move things in the direction that, you know, I, I figured we were going to get, we were, you know, we're going to get the daughters of the dragon. We're going to get Nightwing investigations. We're going to, you know, we're going to see, uh, Iron Fist and, and Power Man teaming up again. You know, I think that's, uh, I think those are foregone conclusions. And as they expand the Marvel Knights, um, it's important to sort of establish who the alliances are. Um, the, the, Attempt at a friendship between Misty Knight and Colleen Wing and the Defenders was pretty ham-fisted. All of the conversations in season two of Iron Fist uh, suddenly felt a lot more believable, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, so, and 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 for Rand to give Misty the arm, uh, sort of uh, helps with their relationship. So there's kind of a reason for her to check up on him. Uh, and say thanks for the arm and a reason for him to go, how's the arm doing? Oh, you guys want to get coffee? You know, um, I've talked before about the quiet spaces between the fights in the, in the Marvel comics being my favorite thing about the Marvel comics, the connective tissue. Mm-hmm. And this, uh, w- the thing about the connective tissue in season one of Iron Fist is that um, it's the, they keep showing us the same connective tissue. See, his adopted family are, are bad guys. See, they don't really get along with each other. See, he's working for the bad guys, and Danny doesn't know it. Isn't that amazing? No, Yeah, it was amazing in episode two when all that got revealed, but then everything <laughs> else has been just more of the same. The, every time there was a quiet moment or a connective conversation in this show, it felt like they were moving something forward. They were getting to someplace. Even the dinner party, which a lot of people didn't like online, I thought was great because uh, it allowed them to uh, do battle without throwing a punch. And that's what that was. It was a battle of wills. It was a battle of wits. So, um, I, you know, the... the you know, the fighting was better. I didn't really mind it so much in, in season one. Uh, I minded it more in the defenders, but, uh, the, the, the fight stuff in here was great and looked closer to the kind of stuff that we were seeing on daredevil. Um, Danny stopped, uh, repeating the same line of dialogue 150 (laughs) times. And he also stopped, uh, you know, wondering aloud in a whiny tone of voice, why things weren't working out for him. You know, uh, now he, you know, in, in this season, he's more uh, of an active participant in his own story. And coincidentally, he sidelined more because we got to see more of everybody else. Even Ward was cool uh, yeah. in, in, in a way that he was not in the first one. Yeah. So he let his know, hair down. Yeah. He, well, he, he let his hair down. And, 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 and again, they, every, everything was very one note. In the first season, you know, once we got that one note, uh, anytime they would come back into the scene, they'd play that one note. And, you know, there, there's a, I, I would argue that Ward was the one character who wasn't like that in season one. Ward actually had an arc that he went through and came out the other end, a different guy than he started. He, and he, he so- had the biggest arc, but he was still the group's asshole. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and his his stance on everything in season one was, well, I'm the group asshole, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna do the most assholeish thing I can do in this scene. 
and, and get it. And, 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 you know, sometimes that'll work out and sometimes it won't. When he plays the asshole in season two, it backfires on him spectacularly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so that's what, and so, you know, I think, I don't think season one, uh, now with season two under the belt is, is, is a write-off. In fact, I think you can still watch season one. Although what I would judiciously do is I would judiciously skip probably three episodes and, and, and say, watch, you know, one, two, four, five, six, nine and 10, <laughs> you know, like that. I, just to because just you know do your own self edit tighten it up because because you need some of that to get to season two. If there are any clever editors in the audience, just like some people have like boiled down the Star Wars prequels into a single movie, like if you want to edit together the first season of Iron Fist into like uh, you know three or four hours of this is all you need, you know, let me know because you know I'd love to see that cut. I th- yeah, I think you could make the first season. I mean, with with the material that's there, you could cut it into a respectable four hour, you know, miniseries. Uh, everything else is uh, is redundant, and uh, and and the least interesting part of the redundancy. On top of that, um, you need everything in season two. So it's a so so that's the that's the advantages I think. I was really shocked that we didn't even have one scene in the Rand boardroom because I thought for sure with how big the Rand boardroom was in season one of people sitting around, I was like, we're going to have one scene where like Ward drags Danny down or something and there's some sort of corporate like shenanigans they have to go through. But, you know, Ward talks about the corporate stuff a lot in this season, but we never actually see any of it. We don't really know what's going on with the company and we don't really care, no. which is great. Because, no, that's the most know. boring as shit part, you know. <laughs> right. I, I'm, I, here's a martial arts uh, series that uh, no, nobody ever fights in because they're busy uh, arguing in the in the boardroom about uh, environmental impact studies. Right. What was the thought behind that again? <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, yeah, and I kept thinking it was going somewhere, and like Angie was mentioning, it was one of the things in the, in the first Iron Fist podcast that we talked about is one of the dropped premises that after the woman confronts Danny and gets Danny to sort of like, you know, uh, implicate the company in, in the, her son having cancer, like it never goes anywhere it never goes somewhere where like danny learned something from it it never goes anywhere where it continues to create problems for rand and therefore for danny it's just sort of like it happens and then it's like okay now we're dropping it and we're moving on to other stuff and it was just really weird that they didn't try to make that stuff at least have something plot wise or character wise that it really drove it was just there for padding i can't can't remember if i had this thought or if somebody else had it but uh it's it's genius uh, uh, characterization in any case, uh, the the first season Iron Fist feels like a first draft. It feels like somebody's mm. first draft of what would eventually be a really good TV show. But they and and we know now that they, he didn't have time to do all of that. But uh, but yeah, I think that I think that was part of the the issue right there is they just didn't have time this time the developmental time. Maybe they would have come to the same conclusions we all came to. You know and, who yeah. knows? Well, I mean, and also to be fair. Iron Fist Season 1 was a victim of Marvel's own success. Iron Fist Season 1 on the CW would have been a good show. It, it was just we we had a much higher level of expectation of the Netflix shows. Right. Right. Totally. Yeah. And uh, and at the time, uh, I can't remember. I, we hadn't seen the uh, – we hadn't seen the Inhumans yet. 
Right. Uh, no. Some of uh, us still haven't. <laughs> right. Yeah. Ryan still hasn't seen it. Oh, bless your heart. That's awesome. <laughs> no, you need to no, do this. You'll feel, I'm telling you, it's like a weight's going to roll off of your shoulders. You know, get this. I've never seen Highlander 2. <laughs> I, ne- I never have. I heard it was terrible. I, and I just decided I, there can be only one. I haven't seen any of the Highlander sequels. I was about sequels. to say, have you seen Endgame or uh, no, other none ones? of them? I, I did oh, watch Mark. the TV show because I knew it would, it would sort of reboot to a different place. But I, but literally, Highlander remains one of my favorite movies because it hasn't been tainted by all the <laughs> that came after it. Isn't that amazing? What, what you, a perfect you, world you live in, Mark. Yeah, I if, wish I could live seen, there too. If you've never seen the Inhumans. Marvel can't do any wrong. <laughs> well, that's liberating. I, I'm 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 kind of jealous now. I I may see if I could uh, selectively hypnotize myself to have not seen that. Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, I still think that the actual Marvel Cinematic Universe began with Howard the Duck. So, you know, <laughs> I don't yeah, know. That, you that used me. to be a soundbite in my uh, in the promo for my show. <laughs> you, you had me, and then you lost me. It was amazing. I was like right there, and then the bottom just dropped out of the fantastic car, and I am falling to earth now. That's crazy. Uh, you know, well, it, it's my goal to lower the expectations. You know? <laughs> like a limbo bar, man. Good lord. I can't I can't skate that low. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna crash in that limbo bar. <laughs> All right. Well, um so let's talk about characters. Um and uh, I wanna start with um uh, uh our new character, uh probably I think our only really major character who was new to this uh season which was uh typhoid mary um and uh that's a character i'm really familiar with from daredevil mm-hmm. um i read a pretty good number of comics with her um and uh so it's kind of surprised that they were introducing her as an iron fist character but i was like okay let's see you know uh what they'll do with her and um so uh are you guys all familiar with uh mary from the comics yes I've read her backstory. Yeah, I mean, not as I, I always hit or miss on Daredevil. I was like the Frank Miller run and a few others. So mm-hmm. again, you know, I'm aware, but I I've, I couldn't have told you anything significant about her. Okay. Um. So, uh, Ryan, how do you feel about the character? Okay, at, when the season began, I just thought, okay. It, I, but by the end of the season i i realized where she was going with her performance uh how the actress was trying to convey the this uh the different versions of herself uh the different personalities and uh, because at first it just felt like she was because i've seen alice eve do other stuff Uh, she was carol marcus for god's sake in the 2009 star trek but um i just I, i couldn't get where this was going and then I guess it was right around the time where she, um, where she, after she'd taken down Danny and started teaming up with Joy to uh, protect herself, to protect Joy, where I thought I could see maybe it's just the chemistry. She she had more chemistry with Joy than she did with uh, Danny, and mm-hmm. so that's where I felt like she came alive. And uh, Angie, how do you feel about Mary? Uh, I really, I really liked Mary. Well, I liked Walker. Okay. Um, I thought the Mary persona was really off-putting at the beginning. Um, 
I felt less so when I realized that it, it was an affectation, I guess. Like, she, she wasn't a fully fleshed out person. <laughs> what I found interesting was that she's from the next town over from where I live. <laughs> it's like, I'm from Oak Creek, Wisconsin. I'm like, oh, wow, that's the next town over. <laughs> I did not even think it was a real place. Today. Yeah, it is. Um, this isn't yeah. D.C. Yeah this, yeah, this is Marvel. It's all real. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I mean, DID is kind of controversial, um, but it's a favorite trope of comics, so I didn't judge it too harshly when it showed up. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think the performance by the end, um, it was nuanced enough and compelling enough that, um, she kind of won me over. Mm. Um, and I, I'm not sure at the end if she was supposed to be her third or fourth personality, um, but it seemed like she definitely wasn't Walker and she wasn't Mary. So I'm intrigued. I want to see where it goes. Uh, how about you, Mark? Well, I, I, I don't think of it so much as having been introduced in Iron Fist as it was introduced in the Marvel Knights realm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, they've already kind of established that everybody's going to get kind of fast and loose with the crossovers. Uh, but no, Angie's got a really good point, And that's uh, we, we, we've um, we've changed a lot of how we examine you know this uh this uh schizophrenia these these types of disorders uh and i actually think they did a really good job of sort of modernizing that uh hoary old cliche uh you know and and giving her acute ptsd that that triggers that i thought was was a really good way to get the same result without it being, um, you know, a nineteen uh, mid mid nineteen eighties comic book origin. So I, I like the character. Uh, I liked. I, I recognized that we're, you know, initially there was there was a little confusion. Like, uh, shouldn't she? Ha-, you know, <laughs> but then then I realized, oh, it's work in progress. And and like with everything, you know, uh, we should we should know by now that when these people first show up in the in the series that's not going to be how they end up you know there's a, there's a there's an evolution to all of these characters including the villains and so uh when she re- when, when we see her again maybe in Daredevil season 3 who knows uh she's going to be uh very different than how she uh, than how she appeared to us in Iron Fist, and I, I'm I'm cool with that because that's how you get to these places, you know. And and it, it just feels better, you know. We, we we're it, treating this stuff in sort of a long form um, is a, is allows these things to sort of unfold the way that they did in comics for us, you know. Um, there was always these subplots that were in the background, whether we're talking about X-Men or, you know, Daredevil or whatever. And, and these things always, you know, that's, that's something that the TV shows and the movies, I think have gotten really right. This, this storytelling idea that there's the main plot. Sure. No, no problem with that. And here's the stuff that we're doing to fix that. But then there's this subplot usually uh, two, but sometimes three. And, uh, and those move forward even when the main character isn't paying attention to them. And so, you know, uh, those subplots over about four or five issues turn into the main plot. And, and, and for, as a reader, 
that was very satisfying. Well, as a, as a viewer, it's just as satisfying. So it's nice. Yeah, I, I really liked what they did with the technicalities of the DID. Um, like you mentioned, the PTSD and the triggering and all that kind of stuff. I found Walker to be incredibly boring. Um, she was so flat in one note that I did not care. And to me, that's not who Typhoid Mary should be. She should be wild and crazy and should be like a complete 180 switch from Mary. And maybe we're going to get there, but I was... I was so surprised by it that I'm like, you might as well have called this character something completely different because she's not a mutant, which we knew going in, she couldn't be a mutant, but I was hoping maybe they'd make her an inhuman, which, you know, they didn't. But, you know, that part aside, the personality is more important, and I don't feel like we got the wild character that she could be. And the third the third personality sounds like she's going to be more like the third personality in the comics where it's like complete, just murderous, you know, person, uh, that, you know, just kill everybody. But it's that, it's that typhoid Mary, that sort of wild person that I was hoping to see. Cause I thought that would be a lot of fun. And, uh, she was not fun. So, can, I, can I ask? Cause I'm not familiar with the comics. The impression that I got was that Walker is Walker and typhoid Mary, I thought was the, the personality we got at the very end because she was still talking about, Bloody Mary is somebody else. Well, no, no, there's Bloody Mary, there's Typhoid Mary, and there's Mary. Mary is the same in the comics, and the very, very nice, very, you know, like, just, like, friendly, all that kind of stuff. Um, then there's Typhoid Mary, who's, like, wild, adventurous, she's the assassin for hire that works for the, you know, Kingpin or whoever, and then there's Bloody Mary, who's, like, just kill them all. Um, you know, kind of person. So that's she. She's the she's the extreme one, which looks like that's still going to be the same. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I ty- typhoid Mary should be a lot more fun. Um, but yeah, Walker is not that. <laughs> not, not, not no, but maybe we'll get there. You know, I th- yeah. I, th- that's that's why I feel like that's we we really are seeing like the origin origin of her. And, uh, and and it's going to be another season, whichever one she shows up in, before we get the true. I mean, you know, we're two seasons into Jessica Jones, and I don't have Hellcat yet. So, you know, you well, can be patient. after what they did with Trish in season two, I don't want Hellcat. Trish is the <laughs> biggest villain in the Netflix universe, and I, I want her to die. <laughs> wow, <that's laughs> Slow and horrible and painful death. But, no. <laughs> well, I mean, to, I, I get more. She wants your cray-cray, I, Ryan. <laughs> oh, don't. No. <laughs> Because, you know, another throw... No, no, you're not going to take me down that path, Nathan. No. <laughs> but I get Mark's point, point. I agree with him. It's, you know, Daredevil took 12 episodes before we got him in the suit. Right. But, yeah, so it's not at all unbelievable that... Or look, Daredevil Season 2 set up Punisher. So, yeah, this isn't... I don't think this is the end of Mary, and I don't know where we'll see her again. It could be in Iron Fist, but yeah, it could easily just easily be in um, Daredevil season three. But I—that's I, I, the thing about Marvel. That's what they're so great at is they plant all these seeds, and they don't all come to fruition. But this one, I feel like has has potential. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do think the a couple of things that they did that were clever with this one is tie her origin into Sokovia. I, I thought that was a nice. Oh yeah, that was great. Yeah, that was really nice. This, you know, more connective tissue there. And um, I, I was reading somewhere about uh, when she was setting the trap for uh, towards the end there. 
um, she was singing, you know, a Monday Monday, and that's apparently a throwback to uh, to to the character from the comics because that song is like uh, I'm trying to you'll have to forgive me I'm going from memory here, but it's apparently like a couple of voices and perfect harmony with each and perfect sync with each other, um, kind of like the personalities in her head. So, but okay. yeah, I don't know. They, they took their, I feel like they actually did. You may, we may not have liked how they executed it, but I feel like they researched the character and did due diligence to her. I don't know. She's such an important part. It's, mm, I don't know. I, I feel like it's important for her origin to be linked to daredevil also. And th- that of course they, they, you know, they, they've, they've completely erased. So I don't know. I, Cause it's part of Matt's guilt. Once he finds out that he's the one that created her, that is, it's a big part of the comics that I read that I'm kind of disappointed that we're not going to get. Um, but... I'm sorry, we can only put so much guilt on No, that no more guilt for Matt! <laughs> Just ratchet it down! <laughs> Look, if, if you take the guilt away from Matt, he's not mad anymore. So you just I gotta give him more... Every I'm time saying... he gets through something, you gotta give him more guilt. <laughs> Charlie Cox is only so tall, okay? <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah. oh well. Anyway, but um, so so uh, let's talk about our kind of like our main villain pair here, and I'm gonna use villain in quotes, um, which is uh, Joy and Davos. Um, so Angie, why don't you start us off on this one? What did you think of uh, Joy and Davos? I really ended up liking them as a villain pair or an antagonist pair, I guess. Yeah, that's probably a better word. At at a at the end of season one. You know, it seemed for Joy anyway that it got real dark real fast. Like <laughs> suddenly she wants to kill Danny, and it was a little off-putting. And then this season, you know, um, her her vengeance is real petty, and it's the pettiness of a really entitled rich white girl. And uh, it came back to bite her in the butt almost immediately. <laughs> um, and it was great. I mean, honestly, it was. It was almost refreshing that she did, she wasn't trying to kill him, just kind of ruin him a little bit, I guess, because she felt bad. And uh, she, uh, you know, she matured at the end and discovered that that was stupid. So good on her. She's more like Ward than she thinks. Yes, very much so. Yeah, I, I was really expecting a master plan out of her. And when we got what we got, it was kind of like, oh, okay, so... Yeah, this really is just like some petty revenge kind of thing, and and I liked that a lot better, like you did, because I think it was more true to the character <laughs> we saw in season one, and yes. you know it, it allowed for her to have some kind of redemption. But at first, I thought like she was going to take down Rand Corporation, and she was going to you know kill Danny and all this kind of stuff, and it's like, oh, okay, no, we're not we're not at Lex Luthor villainy here, um, <laughs> which would have been like a really extreme switch. But, uh, that but was, what about that was, oh, that was absolutely, uh, I think, uh, deliberate. Uh, I think they backed up off of her. And that was one of the things that people were uh, complaining about is like, where'd Psycho Girl come from all of a sudden, you know? Uh, so uh, I, I thought it worked really well. And I like the fact that um, she didn't quite realize. I, I, I think she thought that, that uh, Davros was the same as her. I think she, you know, initially thought, oh, cool, this is his brother that's mad at him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that that went south really quick. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, so, Angie, uh, what did you think about Davos? Davos, 
Davos was really fun to hate on, I think, a little bit. I mean, it's, you know, generally I like villains who um, think they're the good guy. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love villains who you can definitely walk in their shoes and see where they're coming from. With Davos, it was a little too much. I mean, all of the all of the pain points are there. You know, his mom was scary, whatever. Um, it, it almost seemed too, a little too far for me to really empathize with him. Um, but the acting was great. I think that actor's fantastic. Um, you know, and it, it definitely was a strong performance and a strong storyline. Um, I just found Joy a little more compelling. Um, so Mark, what about you? What did you th- think about Davos? I, I agree with Angie. Um, I think Davos was, uh, uh, some, some of his motivation was kind of out of stock character playbook, but mm-hmm. I think as, uh, as the actor, uh, and I forget his name, he, he really sold it, uh, and, and turned it into, uh, something that was, uh, a little more, um, maybe not personal, um, but uh, I got the impression that he's still working on trying to get back into his parents' good graces, you know, mm. uh, and, 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 and that's really good motivation, you know, and feeds into my thesis about, you know, the entire Marvel Universe being, um, you know, fill, filled with latchkey kids who uh, <laughs> have unresolved parental issues. I mean, it, it, it continues in, in Iron Fist, you know. Yeah, so, I, I thought about that as I was watching the scenes between him and his mother. I was like, totally. "Oh, Mark's, <laughs> Mark's at it again." <laughs> my uh, my my theory's holding up, you know. Uh, and uh, uh, I, in fact, I, I suspect it's going to hold up uh, into the end of Infinity War. Well, and, I mean, and then they may retool, but you know, well, happy people don't become superheroes. Well, no, and, and, or certainly they, 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 if they do, they do it for very different reasons. And uh, part of that is we're sort of inured and used to the grim, dark uh, tragedies. Uh, I, I, my allegation here is that uh, Danny, Danny Rand isn't is, is as bad off as he thinks he is. You know, um, I mean. You know, he you know he got a free uh, monastery education. You know, uh, they they taught him calisthenics and martial arts. He learned yoga, vegetarian diet. You know, uh, and he walks back into his trust fund. Uh, you know, which is worth you know billions of dollars. Your problem is what again exactly? <laughs> I'm the immortal Iron Fist. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> I like, though, that Davos offered for Danny to just, you know, he, it's not like he just attacked Danny and was like, I'm going to take the Iron Fist. I liked that conversation that they had where Davos tried to give Danny the opportunity to give it to him. Yes. Because it made him, again, it, well, he wasn't a villain. He was, he still liked Danny. He didn't want to hurt Danny. He wanted Danny to give it to him because in Davos's mind, which, and this is the other thing that's very interesting. We get to watch the fight. And in the fight, they call it when Davos did not give up. Right. 
And so Davos has a legitimate reason to be upset because you know Danny turned the turn turned the tables earlier in the fight. So it's possible if Davos had been allowed to continue, he could have turned the tables again. That's the way that he sees it. That if they had just given me the chance, I could have done it. Now, I don't think that somebody's parents should be the ones judging a fight like that anyway. But you know, obviously we know you know why the the parents said you know stop because sure. they didn't want their son to die, right? But Davos doesn't see that as my parents cared about me. He sees it as they thought I was weak. You know. Right. And mom certainly did. Right. And uh, and so that's the, and you know, that's that forms the crux of the issue here. But I like that they gave it and they made it legitimate. It wasn't Davos just wants to steal this power. Davos feels like the fight was never truly decided and it was unfair that Danny got the power. Yeah, there's a there's a legit grievance there. Hmm. You know, I, I kind of have to push back on you though. There, I, I'm not 100 percent sure that his, that the fight got called to save Davos's life. I kind of got the impression that um, his father knew that Davos would wasn't right for the fist. Maybe it's the fact that he wouldn't yield, that he would rather die than yield. But uh, I don't know. I, I just now, mom, we know was all ambition. Right. Uh, yeah. Oh, and that was a that that was a great episode. The when they went back to that that uh, the flashback episode. That's what sold me on the Davos character. I yeah, mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Davos and Joy both. The, these were holdovers. Again, this is what they did. They took everything in season one and made it work, um, it, which which was great. And I, I just I but I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure that uh, that it was parental care. That well, stopped Davos. I don't know though that it's that drive to succeed because Danny was the one who looked like he was about to die earlier, and he didn't call it then. That oh, Danny, you're not willing to give. You would rather die than do this. You know, I'm calling it now. You know, Davos was just doing the same thing Danny was doing earlier because da- Davos was even saying, "Danny, give up," as he's pummeling him. You know, so uh, yeah, I mean, I I saw it more as. This was a father who didn't want his son to die, and he saw Danny pummeling him to death, you know, and was just like, "No, this is this is done," you know. Uh, well, that's but, a very that's a very interesting read that that Ryan has because the nice thing about it is is we'll never know, and neither will Davos, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, there there, you know, I I think that reason is certainly a possibility, because as we see, he gets the ability and immediately goes on a murder spree. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, so it's clear, uh, from the get go that this is not a guy you want to give that power to. Not everybody has the temperament to be a police officer, you know, and uh, sometimes uh, a little bit of power can go to somebody's head. And in, in the case of Davos, uh, he he really became a different person once he got it. And uh, I and maybe the. You know, maybe the point of it was that, uh, you know, they, they all treat it like it's kind of like a, a, a curse of sorts. You know, oh, I've got the Iron Fist. Oh, it's a burden. Uh, and Davos was the only one that really seemed to dig it. Right. <laughs> uh, that tells me that, you know, uh, he had a different motivation for wanting to be the Iron Fist than, you know, everybody else. So. Well, he, he's desperate for someone to love him. And yeah, there's the idea that his parents, you know, he, he's doing right by his parents and, and he's going to do something that would make them proud, you know, would have made them proud even though they think that they're dead. Um, but there's also this whole thing where he's collecting these street kids 
and he wants their worship. He wants their devotion. He wants their love. You know, like I am your master, and if you do what I say, you know, we'll, you know, we'll be together and we'll do this stuff together and everything. I don't think he just wanted foot soldiers. He wants that. You know, he wants that family. He wants that love from a family. In fact, even with joy. You know, he wants Joy to be, like, a sister or something to him. And I, and I think he really was very upset that Joy uh, betrayed him there at the end because, you know, he wants that, that new family to replace the old one that wasn't working, and he's not getting that either. You know, I, I thought it was strange that at no point during Davos's journey did anyone ever tell him, hey, you, know, you wanted the Iron Fist to protect Kunlun from the hand. You're becoming the hand and pretty much everything that you're doing here. It, it, the, it was just so obvious that his descent was leading him in that direction. I just was amazed no one called him out on it. Oh, and you know, Ryan, you've made an interesting connection on how they could possibly bring the hand back. But anyway. <laughs> 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 I mean, yeah, I guess, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but, uh, yeah. So, so, uh, moving on from um, Joy and Davos, um, we also have Ward, who I really enjoyed this season. Um, what do you think about Ward uh, this time, Mark? Uh, well, you know, he, I think, had the most interesting uh, story. Uh, of all the side characters, um, you know, we'd already seen Misty uh, dealing with her stuff in, in Luke Cage and uh, and uh, Colleen didn't, you know, I think Colleen gave up a lot of herself to be Danny's girlfriend. Uh, and so it was really good when she finally got back in the game. Uh, and so, uh, she doesn't come alive until basically the third act, but you know, the idea of Ward going to these, um, these 12 step meetings and, uh, and having, um, uh, a romantic relationship with his sponsor, you know, which just absolutely goes against you know, <laughs> everything he's trying to do, you know. Uh, but I that's like the, the thing. He's got to control the situation and how better to control it than to sleep with the sponsor. You know, so it's like I'm going to these meetings. Like It's like Ward does everything like sort of like he does it. He does what he thinks is the right thing, but he also has to kind of like be in charge and control it at the same time. And so there's sort of that element to it. Not to say that he doesn't, you know, have feelings for this woman, but it's that I think that there's that element to to it though that Ward feels like he's got to somehow you know get some power of his own in, in in all relationships, which is part of his problem when he trying to connect with people. Well, I th see. I think he's emotionally bereft. I think he. I think he's essentially a cipher. And at the end of season one, without somebody telling him what to do and pulling his strings, he's now his own man. But guess what? He's hollow inside. Mm -hmm. He's a tulpa. And so I, this whole. Uh, season uh, was about you know Ward trying to get his soul back and become a or and you know and get some empathy get get some get some emotion you know trying to figure out you know how to be a, a person again and uh, I'm hoping season three will promise uh, more of what we saw at the very end of season two because uh, that that's the perfect place for him to grow is yeah. is you know road trip uh, so <laughs> <laughs> man that was uh, yeah no, his, I know his Ward was so I was so tired of Ward 
in season one. And I, I, every time we switched over to him, I was like, Oh, what are we going to do now? What's Ward? How's Ward going to screw this up? <laughs> you know? So, uh, that was, uh, I, I, I think I, you know, if I were giving out a, a Dundee awards for most improved, um, character rationale, uh, he'd, he'd take the prize for that. No. Well, I like, I, I'm not sure he's emotionally bereft though, because we even have the scenes where like, he has this huge outburst at the meeting and then it's like, he spends all this money on, you know, putting in snacks and everything that he wants them to have like stuff because he, he feels bad about it afterwards and he's like, Oh my God, I am such a jerk, you know? And he tries to like, but he thinks he can fix everything with money. So that's one of the things it's like, Oh, but, but he's trying, he's trying to figure out how to, to be a better person. And, you know, I, I found, I found it kind of sweet, you know, uh, that he's trying to evolve as a person and is having all these problems stripping over his feet. All right, so not so not emotionally bereft, but emotionally stunted. How about that? Yeah, yeah. You know, he he could he could absolutely do a guest spot on Arrested Development. How about that? <laughs> or a CW show. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Any any CW show. Uh, totally, totally. I'm I'm just. Uh, uh, in my head now, I'm kind of I'm writing some I'm going to write some fanfic about like a a, a Bluth Meacham you know cookout or something like that get together. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, real real estate deal, totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, brother. Hey, Ward. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that could work. Um. Uh, so so um, Ryan, what did you think about Ward this season? Uh, yeah, I found him to be in season one. I found Ward to be. One of the few, I don't know if I'd say highlights, but one of the few better crafted, better written, better acted, better everything characters. Mm -hmm. So I was very curious to see what they were going to do in season two. And they've continued his journey. It is it is a, a, a growth journey from, for him. He is trying to learn how to be a better brother, a better friend, a, a better everything. And you, you see this, obviously, through his, his program steps, which agreed he's trying to, he's playing, he plays a game with it. He's trying to control it. And it isn't until the end where he actually really talks to the group for the first time. Um, but it, they also do it just in in the little things. Like in season one, his hair was slicked back, except for when he was losing control and there'd be little tendrils out. And this season, it was a little bit more loose and it was a little bit more uh, relaxed. Everything about him was. Uh, he'd found – if nothing else, he'd found his place as uh, Danny's friend. Mm -hmm. And it, it suited him. That was one of the big things that signaled to me a significant change is that his relationship with Danny has changed completely from the first season where now Danny's like his brother, you know, Joy stepped out of his life, um, you know, and, and so he's, he's trying, you know, he, 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 uh, you know, he has that kind of caring relationship with Danny that you would have for a sibling. And, uh, you know, I, I really liked that. I, I liked that, um, you know, aspect of it. Um, but uh, Angie, what do you think about Ward this season? Um, I loved Ward last season. I love, all, I love Ward. Um, he's one of my favorite characters, and I was actually really, really concerned that he was going to die this season. Yeah. He, in terms of being at peace, he seemed well on his way to that. And I find it really interesting, um, the comments about maybe needing to control the meetings. I always get the impression that Ward is somebody who never defined himself, except in relation to the people in his life. So right. he... You know, he defined himself in his relationship to his dad and to Joy, 
and you know, yeah, I'm they're gone to, now. Yeah. Well, yeah, driven to distraction by Joy being gone. I feel like he was going to a not for himself, but for Joy to repair that relationship, and it didn't really work. And you know, he. And then it's like when he found out that Bethany was pregnant, it's like all of a sudden he like almost instantly defined himself in relation to that baby, you know, as like, oh, now I'm going to be this dad. And so I was very concerned he was about to die. And then <laughs> then when Bethany left him, I realized that, no, now he's going to just define himself as himself. And um, I thought it was great. I, I loved the interactions with Danny. And at the very end, I, I just thought the whole thing was really positive and i hope he doesn't by next season yeah the the stuff with bethany like really i mean <laughs> i am a sucker for like relationships when they're done well not not cw relationships but relationships that are done well and you know i so wanted ward to get it to work with bethany and you know i, I figured it was probably over in the bar scene and of course it was after that um, but, uh, but you know, that, that tore at my heartstrings because of the whole thing. You see the mistakes he's making. You see that he's taking way too many steps back and it's going to ruin things. And, you know, and then that final, you know, when he, when he talks to her about it and when he's being so sincere about his desire to change and his desire to be a good father, because that's the thing, just like with Davos, He's lost his whole family. I mean, Joy's still out there, but Joy doesn't want to be his sister. You know, she wants nothing to do with him. And he's trying to recreate a family. You know, like, oh, now I'm going to have Bethany and we're going to have a kid and we're going we're gonna to create a new family. And he feels somehow that he can, like, do it right. You know, if he just gets a little bit of time, he can, he can you know, do, like, a, a real, you know, a healthy family relationship. And Bethany, uh, with a lot more uh, presence, and you know, than you usually get in this kind of show, you know, a lot more thought about it was, like, not all like, oh, we can get married and, and, like, raise the kid together? Oh, yes. She's like, uh, you're a mess, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I can't, you know, mother you and mother the child at the same time. You know, right. and, and it's horrible that she has that realization, you know, in one sense for him, you know, but at the same time, I mean, it's from a practical standpoint, that is probably the right call to make, you know, uh, with, the, with the child in Absolutely. mind. Um, so, so yeah, I'm hoping we haven't seen the last of Bethany and, and the baby. I would love for that to come up again later. And I would love for Ward to be able to have a part in his child's life, because I think that that is, that is awful if he doesn't, um, you know, he isn't allowed any part in his child's life, but, um, but yeah, this whole thing with Danny and him taking this journey, I mean, that's going to be really interesting, you know, to see where that takes him and how that will help propel his story forward. But I, I do like that they have that sort of buddy vibe now where it's just kind of like, hey, come with me. You know, play hooky on, you know, being CEO of a major corporation. It's fine. <laughs> Danny does it all the time. <laughs> right. So, uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to that uh, for Ward also. I, it's, I was amazed and a little surprised that we got into the Fraction stuff so fast. Yeah. 
but uh, but I'm not complaining, you know, because I think it's going to be it's going to make really for really good TV. Well, I said last um, time with the first season that it would be really cool if they introduced Orson Randall because he could be a mentor for Danny. Because it's clear that Danny is an awful Iron Fist. You know, that was kind of like almost the driving point of season one is that Danny isn't particularly good at this. And so I thought it would right. be cool if they introduced Orson Randall as a mentor figure so that they can progress Danny, you know, towards, you know, being that you know, that, that guy. Now, Danny's come a long way on his own, but I still think there's a little bit of room for them to, to have, have him have a mentor, um, who, of course, will die tragically at the end of the season, but uh, as mentors do. But, <laughs> you know, for him to, to have that and, and to, for that to help progress his character. So we'll see if that's the route they go with it, but that's what I'm thinking there is, is, is how that character will factor into things. I'm cool with all that. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> Let's, you know, shake it up. Uh, at this point, uh, they've restored my confidence in Jeff Loeb and his ability to kind of shepherd these series. I sincerely hope that they don't move off of Netflix and onto the Disney app uh, because uh, I think that's going to have the opposite intended effect. Everyone's going crazy about that, but everything that Disney and Netflix has said is that, no, these shows will stay on Netflix. Anything new we do will go on the Disney thing. So I don't think that these shows are going anywhere. I think they're going to stay on Netflix. I'd like to believe you. Okay. Really, I would. <laughs> um, oh, well, that could just be a matter of like a rights issue. Netflix might literally have the distribution rights. And so Disney's or Marvel's choices, we can do daredevil on Netflix or not do daredevil at all. Right. 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 Uh, that may be, that may be the thing because, you know, they, they certainly, um, uh, sign these deals for several years now. So yeah. uh, fingers crossed because uh, I love where this is going. There's rumors about Moon Knight. Clearly that'll go into this universe if that's the case. I wouldn't mind another Punisher series provided you did it right. I don't mind that they're doing the shortening up of these series. Basically all of it. Punisher season two is confirmed, Mark. That, that is Good. coming. Great. Yeah. That's the next one after Daredevil. And if it's an eight episode season, that'll be frankly perfect you know uh so so that's a uh i really think they're they're back on their their a game with this stuff and uh i've i've really enjoyed everything that they've put out so far uh this year uh netflix has just really been uh cold comfort to me uh in the wake of uh infinity war Mm. you know sure so yeah Although if they do do a Netflix or a Moon Knight one, it will either go on Hulu or Disney because, uh, like I said, I'm positive they're not doing any new shows on Netflix because that's that's what they've said. Like, and of course they'll want to keep any other characters they introduce internal. And since they'll have majority share of Hulu, people have speculated that darker characters might go on Hulu because Hulu, you know, isn't Dis- you know the Disney name means something, and so they might keep more family friendly stuff on Disney and make a well you know, here's. But here, here's the deal. Uh, it, it, it may actually not, and it, and because it's because when they do these rights, uh, they have a list of characters that they're licensing, and Moon Knight might have been on that original list of characters that they licensed. 
It's possible. You see what no, I'm no, saying? No, no, I see what you're saying, but usually those are like adjunct characters to a character. Like, like if they get Punisher, they also get Micro, because Micro is part of the Punisher, you know, family. But Moon Knight, I don't think, would be an adjunct to, like, any of these other characters. So I, I suspect you, he's you don't, separate. You don't, you, don't think they would, you don't think they'd do Moon Knight as part of the Marvel Knights family? Well, no, because, I mean, the, the they didn't do Marvel Knights. They specifically did daredevil <laughs> jessica jones luke cage iron fist uh luke cage and iron fist aren't even part of marvel knights daredevil is punisher is yeah you know so yeah, i mean and the, defend- and the defenders had silver surfer and the hulk in it too <laughs> right. well it's i mean it's worth pointing out we did have ghost rider on agents of shield right. so i do think it is kind of a, a case-by-case character specific um now if they had set the the groundworks for a moon knight series prior to this and there were talks and then yeah maybe they can pick that up and and continue with it but and still be looped into that whole sort of mentality of it's not new we were it was already in progress to begin with yeah but yeah the street level marvel heroes well in any case Loeb has redeemed himself as far as i'm concerned i think Loeb has done an excellent job uh with uh with with what he was given and uh you know i accept his apology (laughs) for Iron Fist season one. Uh, and uh, I also uh, thank him for promptly addressing the uh, concerns raised about the Inhumans. <laughs> so, well, well, and that's the thing, this- thing, though. I don't think, even though I know what you're getting at when you say this is Marvel Knights, like, Inhumans should have been on Netflix then if they really considered it Marvel Knights, because Inhumans was part of the Marvel Knights brand. So I, I don't think they're looking at it as Marvel Knights, like comics that were part of Marvel Knights as a whole entity on netflix no 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 they're not and and that's uh, we're saying the same thing but we're talking about it from different sides uh i'm saying that they may have redefined marvel knights as these street level heroes that don't have godlike powers which would make perfect sense and even but they though some of them the defenders well right and yet that was probably to get that name uh, under a license that they had control over rather than to leave it hanging out in space. Uh, see also the Captain Marvel Shazam confusion that's going to take place in 2019. <laughs> Just really quick, uh, you know, there's the scene in the Captain Marvel trailer where she punches the old lady, which, you know, 99.9% sure, because that's she's a scroll. But the, the, but the, somebody uh, took that scene and they put like little dialogue bubbles, you know, of a screenshot of that. And the, the, she says, hi, I'm Captain Marvel. And the old lady says, don't you mean Shazam? And then it's her punching the old lady. <laughs> I saw that. I thought that was actually kind of funny. Uh, not, not. I don't think "girl on old lady violence" is funny. I just mean the movie right. is funny because. Well, well, if it makes you feel better, the, the old lady's almost certainly a dirty scrawl. So you know, it's it's. A, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So uh, Ryan. Yes. We have Colleen Wing and Misty Knight. How did you feel about that? Uh, you know, we got to jump back, I would say, to Colleen's guest appearance in Luke Cage season two uh, for where this began. Because I agree. I think it was Mark who earlier said in Defenders, it didn't feel it. Did, well, it, was, it didn't <laughs> right. click. Like, was oh, you give there. me my sword back? Yeah. Let's be best friends. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> for BFS. You know, they just seemed like they had nothing in common. But in Luke Cage. Uh, the second season of Luke Cage, where Colleen basically helps uh, uh, Misty get uh, her mojo back. Yes. Um, 
that's you could see that's where the respect really begins, mm-hmm. uh, the mutual respect and and for on each end. The the, the bar fight was beautiful, by the way. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And the thing, I thought I was gonna miss not having Claire in season two of Iron Fist, but if I can get Misty all across uh, the Netflix shows and not have Claire, I'm totally good with that. (laughs) Hell to the yes. Yeah. Yeah, She she can be in everything. As far as I'm concerned, she is, she she is the bee's knees. She is. And I, you know, I, I kind of, I think she's a terrible police officer (laughs) slash captain, but, uh, or captain to be, but um, as the character goes, yeah, I can't wait for her and Colleen to, for either Misty to finally just quit being a cop and they can do the whole, uh, you know, agency together or for um, her to, to draft uh, Colleen into the force, which I'm guessing isn't going to happen after the way season two ended. ended. Um, But separately, I love both characters together. They take it up to 11. Yeah, if not 15, you know? So, yeah. You touched on something, though, that bothers me a lot, because I have this bad feeling that since they do have this deal already in place with Netflix, and because they are starting their own streaming service, that we're never going to get the actual Daughters of the Dragon and Nightwing investigations, because it's like, oh, we didn't license that name to Netflix before the Switch, and that's why we keep on having this thing where Misty just about quits, like, all the time, but she never does. It's like, they want to <laughs> tease us constantly that yeah that's the way we're going misty's gonna quit the force and then they're gonna have nightwing investigation it's gonna be daughters of the dragon it's gonna be great and it feels like they keep pulling back from it so i don't know maybe maybe we'll get that but it's still like luke cage season three you know i i don't see it happening there because it's all gonna be about how luke is a villain now you know so it's like it it still needs to be like another year after that before it could even happen so i don't know well if i may quote the comic book guy from his first appearance on the Simpsons show. (laughs) Your emotion is out of place here, kid. Um, The, there is no way that, that, that Netflix would have licensed power man and iron fist and Colleen wing and Misty Knight, and not also licensed Nightwing investigations and daughters of the dragon. There's just no way that's all gotta be part of the same package of characters. I mean, I just, I, you know, hell, they licensed Shades, for fuck's sake. <laughs> and Mariah, who does exist in the comics, but she is not a major player in the but, comics. No, no. I would, you know, I'll bet you on that list, Dr. Druid's on the list somewhere. You don't know. Brother Voodoo. But I guarantee but I Well, guarantee but they might have. But that, I, you know, that, that Misty Knight and Colleen Wing are there. Yeah, they're there. But, I mean, I think Nathan's point is, there, there could be some legalese preventing them from just doing a separate series titled you know, Right, because that's, my, that's my point. Because yeah. really what they should do is cancel Luke Cage and Iron Fist and give us Heroes for Hire and Daughters of the Dragon as two new shows. But I don't think that they can do that. I think that's the problem because that's, that's what I think everyone wants. And that's what we're not getting. So we'll we'll see. And maybe it's just that's the plan for the next year after the, se- the third seasons. But, you know, that's... 
You know, that, that's my problem. Because Misty can only say she's quitting the Force so many times before it becomes a joke, right? <laughs> and, and this is, we're on, like, time four now, where she's like, oh, maybe I'll quit the Force. And it's just like, okay, Misty, commit. All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but but every time she starts to quit, she gets, like, a promotion. So, like, uh, that's true. Force, that's... now she's commissioner, you know? <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> now she's commandant. Now the admiral. <laughs> yeah. She's admiral She'll be Mayor police. Knight in by season five. <laughs> All right, I'm going to, I'll call my shot. I'll, I'll do it on live uh, podcasty. Uh, I predict that we will see some iteration of either Nightwing Investigations or the Daughters of the Dragon uh, in uh, either season three of Netflix, uh, Luke Cage, or season three of Netflix, Iron Fist. And I don't know if we're going to get a spinoff, but we'll at least see that within these shows. That is my prediction. And if I'm wrong... I will come on your podcast and I will sing the I Was Wrong song out loud at full volume. Oh, this is but great. If I, <laughs> but if I'm right, I will do the full-on naked moose helmet I told you so dance on your podcast uh, as well. So That, that uh, doesn't we, bother me because nobody can see you. <laughs> Nathan, you are recording, right? You got that. Yes, I got it. I got it. All right, there we go. Angie knows it's go. a mistake to go into a bet with me, but that's a whole other. Well, that's a whole other thing. What, what are you, Sicilian? You're right, yeah, yeah. No. Is death on the line? Yeah. When death is about? on the line. Did I, did I climb the cliffs of insanity for nothing here? Oh, so, Angie, as somebody with absolutely no comics background, how do you feel about Colleen and Misty Knight? Um, I feel a little afraid to say this now. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I know who Daughters of the Dragon and, and Nightwing Investigations are because I Googled them. Mm. Um, I thought that Colleen and Misty's interactions were fine. And that's about it. I, I wasn't blown away by it. I mean, they were pretty clearly telegraphing that, you know, they were shoving them together into a friendship for reasons that became clear after I Googled it. But <laughs> I, it's not bad. It wasn't, you know, I, I'm not going to mind it when they put them together. Um, but it didn't, it didn't blow me away. And it didn't blow me away in Defenders. And, you know, I, I thought their episode in Luke Cage was really great. Um, but for the rest of the season, I'm kind of eh about it. You, you watched the fight in the tattoo parlor, right? Yes. Okay. Oh, my God. Which was a great fight. Okay. It was oh. a great fight. That's not really so that good. interacting. Like. No, no, no. I understand there's a difference uh, there. But yeah. um, um, uh, 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 Jennifer, I th- was there Jessica Henswick, um, the, the actress who plays Colleen? Um, she She is so good. You know, I mean, she, I, I watch her and I'm like, wow, you know, like, this is like you know, movie quality martial arts in a TV show. Um, so yeah, I, I, I can watch her, uh, in any, oh, I could watch her in anything anyway, if she wasn't fighting, but that's, that's, you know, it's neither <laughs> here nor there. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> um, I, um, you know, getting to more like, uh, practical matters of the characters. I am happy that Colleen is going to get a new arm because I've been kind of disappointed with this one that she hasn't really done anything super with it. Uh, it seems like it is it is a bionic arm, but only in the sense that it's going it allows her to do like what she could do with her normal arm. And I'm hoping the next arm gives her you know super strength or something along those lines. So um, she, she's punched through some columns and walls with it. 
She's done a little of that. Yeah, this, yeah, only in this scene. In Luke Cage, she did not. She didn't do anything. But you're right. Towards the end of Iron Fist, she did do a couple of things. But that, that's what broke it. <laughs> that, I, I kind of I disagree. Luke Cage, that arm's the only reason she was able to stand her ground against Bushmaster uh, in a few scenes. Um so it, it came in handy. Yeah, blocking, but it didn't she didn't she didn't hit like she didn't knock anyone like, you know, feet away or, you know, tear anything down. It just I don't know. I've been kind of unimpressed with the with the bionic arm. I wanted her to be more well, to, you know, super. And again to to go back to the slow burn that Marvel does and that certain degree of realism. You could always say season 2 Luke Cage it was she was still learning how to use the thing. Well, that's 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 fair. Yeah, but I think that there's a reason why they're going to give her a new arm yeah. is if they're going to upgrade it. Yeah. So I think that that's that's going to be cool. Um, and um, with Colleen, I mean, we need to talk about the big thing that happens. You know, we've alluded to it a little bit, but she she gets the Iron Fist, which. To Mark's point about addressing things, everyone you know who is upset about Iron Fist being a white guy, we now have an Asian woman as the Iron Fist, and even tying it in with the um, uh, the pirate mm-hmm. uh, queen um, thing. That that's that's one of the previous Iron Fists from the comics. So I thought that that was really cool too because I don't I don't know if Colleen's origin was ever tied that way in the comics, but I thought that, that was a nice little like. Uh, tie-in that they could do with it um, to, to like, actually tie her into one of the previous Iron Fists. So, um, you know, and to make her, like, a successor for that, and then giving her the special sword, whereas in the comics she just has a magic sword. In this case, she's channeling the Iron Fist through her katana. Right. Which I was like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. So, yes, glowy katana, I am all about. <laughs> I love Colleen anyway, and I think, again, that the whole message of it, of Danny just being like, look, I, I even, you know, I'm not the right person to wield this thing. She is, which speaks to the whole thing that, you know, I was saying last season, too, of, like, she comes off as the better martial artist, not only in form, but even in attitude. You know, she's the more centered character and everything else. And for Danny to realize that she... That that is the that she is more responsible and she would be a better person to hold it, I thought was a really great move. Um, also, the only thing that I didn't like and my wife really clued in on it, zeroed in on it too, was when he's just like, you know, Colleen needs to hold on to it for now or something like that. It made it just sound like, you know, oh well, you know, it's really mine and I'm not really giving this to you. There's going to be take backsies later, which seemed a little too trite. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, it didn't. It, it, I don't know. I I didn't. I didn't like that uh, part of it because I I would much rather it be like, as far as Danny's concerned, even if he does eventually get it back later, he's given it to Colleen and it's hers now. Um, and so yeah, but uh, otherwise, I thought everything I, I think about it that was, was pretty great. clever what they did with. And I, I don't know if this ties back to the comics, so you have to let me know. But the color scheme, from when Danny had it to Davos had it to Colleen mm-hmm. had it, and you could see a bit into their personality, just how the Iron Fist manifested itself, uh, color-wise. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Davos is red because he's all about rage and anger. Danny is yellow. He's he's kind of trending that way, but he's not anywhere near that bad. And then Colleen yes. is pure white. You know, because she's she is pure and she is you know centered and calm and all of that. So yeah, I I, I like that as well. She's got the uh, most balanced chi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that as well. Sure. Uh, but uh, 
yeah, I mean, anyone else have any thoughts about uh, Misty and Conley? I mean, it doesn't have to be together, but uh, just aspects of the characters that uh, you wanted to talk about. I I, I want to address something that Angie brought up, uh, which is why why it's such a big deal. Uh, and uh, I, it's because I am still not quite getting over the fact that I'm getting to see, like, the comics that I grew up with realized in, in, in this new format. And so, you know, the idea that I got an iron fist TV show that I could watch was way more than my 10 year old self could have dared to dream. Uh, but then on top of it to go that extra mile and give us, um, you know, Danny and Luke's girlfriends, uh, as well. And I think this series, uh, the Netflix TV shows have the advantage of getting to be a little bit more responsive uh, regarding um, they, they don't have a sh- they don't have as long uh, a production time. And so they get to read the temperature of the room a little bit uh, quicker. And I, you know, I've said this before on the gentleman nerds that, you know, I think the best way to, to make these kind of changes that people articulate online that they want to see in their popular culture is just to make them just to, just to make them just go ahead and just do it, you know? And so when Misty Knight shows up and she is, she's got agency and she's got a a nearly superpower in her ability to kind of put herself in the middle of the crime scene and visualize the scene and, and, you know, and, and not only, and she's capable, you know, outside of, um, outside of her relationship to the superhero. She's not, she's nobody's arm candy, mm-hmm. but you know, let's be fair. She kind of is. She's <laughs> super hot, right. But, but that's, that's secondary to whatever agency she might have as a, as a person on the show. Mm-hmm. So I, so I like the fact that, that these characters and I, right now I think Misty's better written than Colleen, but I think Colleen's going to be, I think it's going to be Colleen's show in season three. So, uh, I like the fact that we're getting to see these characters, uh, change, grow, develop, uh, move in and move out of stories. And, you know, I'm just as invested in what's going on, uh, from, a from a character standpoint with, with the, the ancillary characters as the main characters. And in some cases more so. So, uh, the fact that, that we're seeing, uh, women and people of color, uh, that are, that are getting to be in these roles and, and do them justice and have them be characters that I remember and recognize to me, that's what's, that's part of what makes it so exciting. You know, uh, I mean, I'm really pulling for this, not because I, you know, I, I, yes, I think things need to change and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that, that I don't feel that way, but what I really want is for these to be done well. I think that's the way you bring people around to your way of thinking, do them and do them well. That's the best way to get somebody on your side. So the other reason that these characters resonate so strongly though, is that these were strong female characters in the seventies, you know? So for a lot of people, this was, you know, an example of 
you know, uh, uh, you know, when comics didn't have a lot of those kinds of characters. So these are kind of like the first ones. These are the archetypes. You know, it's it's you know, it's it, Marvel to their credit, you know, tried their best, uh, you know, but all of those comics were written by guys named Lynn and Lou and Mort and Saul and Stan <laughs> right. and Herb. You know, right. uh, they let Marie work on him, but as a colorist, you know, yeah. right. and so you know, they they did the best they could. Uh, and, and so, you know, it, sometimes it fell short, but 10 year old me didn't know that 10 year old me thought this was cool. I didn't, I didn't read it as, Oh, Oh, they're good for girls. No, they were just good characters. Like that's, you know, that's how I took it in. There, there's some really good stuff, particularly in Iron Fist and Heroes for Hire, though, because I went back and read a huge oh, yeah. run of it that the, a lot of those books are really topical even now. Um, you know, yeah, it holds up very well. I mean, there's a whole discussion of consent by form of mental domination, but it's, you can tell what the metaphor is in, in Iron Fist. That was really interesting that I was like, man, this is like somebody wrote it now. You know, so uh, anyway, I, I I think that those comics, you know, even though they were written by men, that doesn't necessarily mean that they weren't good at talking about societal issues and, you know, writing characters well, um, you know, even even when they are people of color or, or female, you know, it was it, 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 it it's a it's a mixed bag. They're, right. You know, right. You can be you can be sure that in the first, let's say, 10, 12 issues of Miss Marvel. Uh, there is one scene in every one of those issues where she is stopping a crime and the guys turn around and one of them says, get her. She's just a girl. <laughs> and, right. and then and then and then Ms. Marvel uh, just steps on all of them, just goes through them like a typhoon and laughs at them the whole time. You know, Boy, you guys are making this easy. <laughs> and uh, I used to laugh right along with her. I was like, you dumb bastard. She just threw <laughs> right. him through the window. Well, you know, you it- idiot. She broke the door open. <laughs> The bullets are bouncing off of her chest. Are do you really? Is this the hill you want to die? Yes, it's the hill you want to die on. You just threw the gun at her. It's just going to bounce off her, and now she's going to pummel you. You know, and I would talk to the comics like that. Well, and the thing is, though, at Misty's comic book origin is that she did the scene from Captain America where there was the bomb and she jumped on it, and that's why she's missing her arm. Yep. You know, so again, I mean, like heroic character, selfless character, you know, all that stuff. So, so yeah, I mean, there, there's there's a lot of good stuff in those old issues, but. Um, did that does that I don't know Angie if that even resonated for you at all but that's 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 why that's why I'm as invested in this as I am with these two no sure my my point well to be clear I I I'm always on board with more diversity in in comic book casting mm. um my point was just that uh as somebody who hasn't been waiting to see this on screen for 20 years you know it nothing about the scenes themselves blew me away right yeah. that's I I get I get where Angie's coming from there. I, for me, it's like, uh, yes, I agree with everything you know. You Mark and Nathan have been saying, um, absolutely. But then it's just also it's it's almost like a, a giant Easter egg, right? It's just oh, I, when Marvel does these movies and these television shows, I have never been able to decide what I like more when they play something up as close to the way it played out in the comics as possible or when they just throw the comic out and do something brand new and original because when they do that when they do something brand new and original i'm just as surprised as the people next to me and i and that sense of superiority that i that 
comic book fans have because we know what's going to happen is yanked away from us. And suddenly we're a new fan all over again and we get to experience it for the first time again, just like these other people. So in that sense, I can I can see where someone watching this, not knowing the comic books, could say could see Misty and Colleen together and just think, wow, that's pretty awesome together. It doesn't mean anything to them, but it's they get to enjoy it as a fan. But if you do know it, it's just it's just icing on that cake. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's well stated. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning here again just how bluntly how incestuous all the Marvel comics are. Someone pointed out to me the other day, and I'd completely forgotten that Colleen Wing and Jean Grey were roommates for a little it while. Was Misty. So, it was Misty who and Jean was Grey. Misty? Yeah, Misty was Jean Grey's roommate. Okay. Yeah. All right, but still, you know. Right, I mean, that's, that, that, <laughs> it's Iron Fist 15 where he meets the X-Men and there's a misunderstanding yeah. because, yeah, <laughs> he's going to visit Misty and the X-Men are there. So, you know. It happens. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I, I like the interconnections just for that fanboy aspect of it, but I do think, Misty especially is such an awesome character as she's been written. And I think Colleen's getting, like, Colleen got a lot more agency this time you know and and i agree i feel like that she devoted herself to danny and subsumed herself so much so quickly that it was kind of a problem but they're backing off of that now and with even danny acknowledging that she's you know the worthier person to hold the iron fist i think that they're, they're getting colleen to the right direction where she's going to be just as interesting as misty uh very soon it might be when we look back on this iron fist season one defenders iron fist season two and three that we're gonna it's gonna be colleen's we'll be wondering how anyone ever thought it was danny Rand's story when it's actually colleen's story all along yeah. no it's gonna be interesting and we'll see how all this stuff at the end pays off but before we go we do need to talk about the titular character <laughs> do we? No, the immortal funny. iron fist himself <laughs> so uh danny and uh, i'm just gonna tee this one off uh really quick one of the things that i really like from the comics when i read um the early issues of iron fist and then went into heroes for Ire, was that Danny very quickly said, I don't want to live off of the fortune, you know, and so I'm going to need a job. And so in the comics, he goes straight into Heroes for Hire. That's, you know, this is the skill I have, which is to beat people up. So, you know, <laughs> turn that into a money-making thing. But I liked that they had him as like a furniture mover in this. The same sort of mindset of, you know, he's not going to live off that fortune. He's letting Ward run Rand. He's having nothing to do with it. And he's just holding down a nine to five job, you know, and that shows like a level of maturity that I think that we didn't see out of Danny in season one. I also love the fact that he wants to catch up on 20 years of anime. <laughs> That spoke to me so well when I saw that. I was like, of course you left when you were like a kid, and now you want to catch up on all the anime you missed. So, <laughs> I love that. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> but, um, Angie, what did you think of uh, Danny this uh, season? Um, I mean, again, at least a hundredfold improvement from from last season, just in terms of his dialogue and um, comportment. Um, I, I have a lot of trouble with the, like the, the billionaire who's kind of slumming it working a nine to five, because I keep hearing that, um, that pulp song in common people in my head, like, yeah, okay, sure. But if something goes south, you're a billionaire. Like, 
I don't know. It's almost right. like masquerading a little bit. Um, but I didn't get really get that that was why he was working the nine to five. I, I felt like he was trying to be grounded, like in not really instead of being a billionaire or not being a billionaire, he was trying to understand how people generally, you know, the day-to-day -day life and the day-to-day -day challenges that people in his city have because he promised Matt that he would take care of the city. And um, he's, he's following up on that as best he knows how. He's living among them and protecting them. Um, so a little less problematic than, than maybe in the comics. Um, that that aspect of his character always really bothered me. Um, since I googled it, I didn't read them. Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, just in terms of in terms of being grounded and being a more fully realized character, it was a huge improvement. I you know I, I didn't roll my eyes every time he talked. Um, you know he he did a lot of things that that seemed a lot more self aware than the the previous season. You know where he's just. He's got some anger issues, but he doesn't realize it. And he had never dealt with, like, any of his, his rage or anything like that. He seems a lot more um, introspective this season, which I thought was a really big improvement. Yeah. Yeah, there's a door down in the uh, the subway that uh, shows that he, uh, he, he knows that he has anger management issues. Um, yeah. Well, well, and it's interesting because they show him, like, light up the fist at, like, a moment's, like, notice. Like, the slightest provocation and suddenly his hand is glowing. So you know that they're finally playing that aspect up and they're going to take it somewhere, which I appreciated. Uh, the other thing that I really liked about what they did with Danny this time is that... Um, you know, my favorite trope is the trope where you take away what makes the character obviously special, and then you see what makes them tick. You know, it's one of the reasons why I like Iron Man 3. You know, I, I like any story where it's like, oh, okay, you know, Tony Stark, you got the suit of armor, well, now it's gone. You know, like, what? who are you now? And so taking away the Iron Fist was the way to do that with Danny of, you know, now you don't have this. And who are you? And, and that's still a journey that's going to be ongoing into season three. And I like that they set that up. But, um, you know, because a lot of times we focus on the superheroes because of their powers. But if they're written well, that shouldn't be what you're focusing on. You need You should be focusing on why they're heroes in the first place. And so that... I think Danny's going through that sort of journey of discovery and that's where I'm hoping season three is going to make him back. You know, as much as he improved this season, I'm hoping he's going to improve further still and make him a character that we want to be the central focus of a series. It seems like he becomes a gunslinger. So right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I wait, wait until you see what those bullets can do. Right. Uh, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to squee when you see what those, uh, how those bullets operate. Oh, I love that. Everything about that scene from Ward approaching the guy to Danny's reaction everything. Oh God. I was, I was squeeing Mark. You could probably hear me all the way down in Texas. <laughs> I, 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 I could. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah so um uh ryan what did you think about danny this season uh well who's not gonna say it was an improvement right, right. um <laughs> right, beyond just the general idea that it was an beyond, improvement yeah exactly no i i again you could tell where they took what worked from season one and made what didn't work work or just kind of ignored it uh they did manage to revisit his anger issues and 
wrapped him up into the whole it's the dragon within him and uh just it it made it make sense but more than that they in season one danny we we talk about ward stunted growth right but danny in season one was a 12 year old boy in the body of a you know 25 year old man Mm -hmm. and it was a little weird (laughs) um a lot of it this season yeah between seasons one and two um or i guess technically between defenders and luke cage season two uh danny matured uh he he grew up and i i get the whole point yeah you're a billionaire who is moving furniture that i agree that's kind of stupid uh he still he could use the money in other ways he could be he could help the city. He could be—I mean, Bruce Wayne somehow manages to be a billionaire and a superhero at the same time. So, and so, so is Tony Stark. It's doable. Um, but then, to be fair, Danny is a lot younger and more naive. So maybe he'll get there. Um, but yeah, he's no longer got this Peter Pan syndrome that he had. And I liked the leg story that Davos took out his leg, and he actually had to recover from that. And it took time, and it took medicine and it took you know ran technology yeah i was about and to say it, it was a little uh, too yeah. quick for me <laughs> yeah well you know again um comic books right. but i liked that they that they incorporated that into his growth it had to slow him down and i even liked in his last battle with davos he played it up he pretended that he had this mm-hmm. limp and that he was uh incapable of really fighting davos and uh it, i just thought that's damn. That's crafty, son. I mean, that's that was beyond Danny Rand in season one. I, I was really glad they didn't go with the trope of the chi was inside of you all along, Danny, and he learns that oh, like Davos, like like didn't really steal the iron. Like he can still do it, you know, if he if he really wants to, like enough. And that's I was afraid they were going to go that way, and I'm really glad that they didn't because this is this is far more interesting. Um, Mark, what did you think about Danny this season? Everything that everybody just said, that's what I thought. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Nothing to add. I, we covered uh, it perfectly. I, I'm telling you. Well, you know, um, I, I mentioned before that the writing was a massive improvement and that the, um, the, the, all of the concerns of the fans were addressed. I, you know, I really can't complain. I, there's, you know, of course um, – Fans are funny uh, because, you know, there's still – I just saw an article recently. Uh, Iron Fist 2 is so much better, but it's still the worst Marvel Yeah, series. I saw that headline too. Uh, you know, well, what are you doing? <laughs> it's really not the worst Marvel series, you know? Yeah, Inhumans, anyone? Right. You know? yeah, well, yeah, even Cloak and this, Dagger, you know? I would say, are, are worse than Iron Fist, but – uh, I disagree. Well, well, it depends which season of Iron well, Fist. Well, yeah. and there's a tendency. There's a tendency to you know uh, accentuate the negative and decentuate the positive. You know, and 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 that's I think part of that uh, response is part of the internet outrage machine. You know, um, you know, basically, here's all of your concerns. Here's all of them addressed. Well. It's still not good. There's one episode that kind of drags in the middle. Oh, I'm so sorry. I guess we'll just take everything back and go back to the way it was, right? Is that what you want? You know, there's no pleasing some people. And, uh, 
and and for me, you know, I, I thought all those changes worked. Uh, they've already established that that lives go on between the series anyways. So why not use those gaps in, you know, in production to move everybody forward? Uh, it makes for more interesting television. It makes for a more engaging experience. And uh, y- you get to do more stuff with the characters, you know, you get to introduce more things. You get to change up the scenarios. And uh, so, you know, I think I think they basically took um, a lemon and made not only lemonade, but they made lemon chicken. <laughs> they made they made uh, pineapple and, 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 and lemon-based uh, squab. And, uh, you know, and I'm sorry that some of the people at the party are vegetarians, but – there's still lemonade over there. You know, it's not my fault. You didn't tell me you were a vegetarian and I'm making lemon chicken. Uh, I guess you can just eat the lemons. Can't you? Uh, that's sort of how I feel about it now, because you know, that, that, that sort of, I, I looked at, I looked at a lot of that early criticism and I, and I was like, you guys, basically you didn't get what you wanted the first time. And so now you, you, you've come in looking for problems and rather than saying, Oh wow, they they addressed everything that I had a problem with. They they've gone, well, see, it's still this way because of X, Y, and Z. Ah, you got the same pants to get happy in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you can't please everybody. I mean, there are people, I mean, the Netflix shows are really funny because, you know, I loved Luke Cage. I, I would say that Luke Cage is probably my favorite of all of them, both seasons together. And I still hear people complain about Luke Cage not being particularly good or it's the worst of the Netflix series or whatever. So, yeah, you know, I, I always want to ask him who hurt you. Right. you know? what, did, did you did your father used to wake you up for school every morning by throwing burning Luke Cage comics at your head? How did what? what what, what what went what went down that this became a thing? You know, there's 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 always these pacing concerns. Well, the, it just it takes so long, you know. But then when you show them a two and a half hour long movie, they go, "Well, that was so fast. Right. It just no one had time to breathe." Make up your minds, you know. Uh, long long form TV is where it's at right now, and uh, there's you know you can either join us or be destroyed. It's your choice, but I warn you not to underestimate our powers. <laughs> so. Uh, the- funny thing about that is that you know a lot of people every time i do one of these uh podcasts about netflix season everybody's like oh but 13 episodes it might be just too long but then they make a 10 episode iron fist season and everything i'm hearing from everybody is it should have been another episode or two longer and it's like oh my god people you can't win in this no, well, I, I mean I, I thought it was just right i i thought the link i thought the length was perfect this time you know yeah I'm, I'm guilty of what you're saying, Nathan. I've been saying, like, Punisher, Dirt, all these series could have been 10 episodes. And this one actually was. And yeah, I, but that's the thing. If I come out of it wanting more, then that means they're doing it right. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. fair. But I'm just saying, you know, I mean, a lot of people are saying that. And it's kind of like, you know, like... uh like uh you know the phantom troublemaker you know he he you know he does reviews and everything and and one of his things was uh this is the first time i've come out of netflix series wishing it was longer and i'm like you know uh you can't win but anyway um so yeah we're going long so let's wrap things out and uh before you say your sign out if you want to uh say what you want to see in a third season of iron fist uh oh what Uh, ryan I just had a quick question because I haven't been able to find it 
online or anything like that, but was there a Stan Lee cameo? I mean, was there a poster anywhere of him anywhere in the series that anyone see? Because I looked for it the entire series, and I've Googled it, and I can't find anything online about hmm. it. No, I not that I noticed. I didn't notice either, but I'm okay with it. Uh, it's it's th- that was a really cool shtick back in 2000, <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm nothing nothing's gonna beat him talking to the Watchers. I I thought, you know, nothing, nothing has beaten him uh, talking to the newscaster and the Avengers about superheroes in New York. That's ridiculous. But (laughs) (laughs) Uh, actually, actually, the the cameo I liked was uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. That was the best one. Putting him in Queens, yelling across at Marjorie. (laughs) That's that's the that's the the Ant-Man, the Wasp. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was fun, too, you know. But if we if we don't but if we don't get him, I, I don't I don't miss it because uh, he's he's yeah. old. He deserves no, I, a as break. long as they've recorded the next twenty ones for the movies. Uh, the TV shows don't need them, but you know I'm I'm there hoping like go. through like right. twenty forty we've got Stan Lee cameos recorded where we can just insert them in. But <laughs> I'm sure he's been digitized. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but see, it won't be the same to me if it's a mocap thing or like you know they they put him over. I I want real Stan, and if it's not real Stan, then, then you know it's, it's 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 no longer relevant. Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, let's um let's say our goodbyes, and uh, if there's anything that you want to see in uh, Iron Fist season three, um, you know, uh, say that then. So uh, Angie, let's start with you. Uh, say your goodbyes and uh, let people know if they can find you at all, and and say what you want to see in after season three. Um, Iron Fist, I'm hoping they rewind those couple of months and uh, explain anything. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, unlike this season, I was not really looking forward to. So they've, they've turned it around for me. Um, so I'll go ahead and sign out. Um, I have nothing to plug, uh, except Fringe. Everyone should watch Fringe. <laughs> All right. and i will echo that having seen the first season and just a couple of episodes in season two uh that yes so far fringe has been great so uh i would recommend it all right ryan uh why don't you say your thoughts for iron fist season three and then say goodbye and let people know where they can find you uh well since we're doing it you know i'll go ahead and recommend fringe too um it's a very jj abrams type show it's got its ups and downs but by all means check it out um, it is definitely giving me flashbacks to alias yeah well okay. just wait um <laughs> uh as far as the next season goes uh, yeah again not being uh especially in the past few years uh, an avid reader of iron fist the last five minutes or, or the last couple of scenes the last scene i i was like wait what huh and so i had to do some Google foo uh, to find out what all that was about. So I would also like for them to explain it, to, to delve into that a little bit more. Uh, I don't want, I don't mind them. I agree. I, I don't mind them doing gaps between seasons to have the characters have lives and grow and develop and have other stories that we don't see. But I do think that is going to require a little bit of an explanation. Having said that, really all I want out of season three, it doesn't have to be Iron Fist. It can be uh, Daredevil season three that explains this. But I just kind of want Turk to settle down and pick a career. Um, <laughs> I guess the smoke shop didn't work, and so he's back to selling guns. I, I don't know, but I just I, I, I really worry for that guy, and I want him to have some stability in his life. You, you realize Turk is the only character that has been in every season of all the Netflix shows? Yes. 
<laughs> and there's yeah, he's the connected. He's he's the the watcher of the defenders. Yeah, yeah. It's I think I think we're gonna find out he's Moon Knight. <laughs> it, that would be something it's become the trope that i just enjoy seeing like a stanley cameo of how are we going to work turk into this season you know i mean sometimes it's really subtle like he's the one that sells the gun to uh to uh to jerry and uh and, and, and yeah. uh jessica jones but you know i i i always want to see the turk cameo now which is funny because i couldn't stand the character in the beginning but now it's just like oh it's turk you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly no but uh, again um season three just more colleen more growth for danny more i don't know i'm just digging where they're going and i'm optimistic and that they're going to do even better things all right cool deal oh and you can find me since we're also saying our goodbyes uh sure check out geek stranger do it someone should um <laughs> otherwise find me on facebook uh on these fine people's facebook pages or uh, you can go to geek stranger on twitter and you know probably find all my stuff from there as well uh stalk me on the internet i don't have enough stalkers at the moment so it, it makes me feel like i'm have some importance and value so by all means uh ryan i thought you said that after dragon con you were actually going to put content on your website i'm working on <laughs> it it's just dude i'm working like 50 hour work weeks mm. and, and and i'm also trying to uh uh i'm trying to relearn french because Why? we're going we because we're going to paris in two oh, weeks okay and my, yeah it's, so it's like oh we're i gotta brush off the high school stuff you know? <laughs> <laughs> We. Oui. <laughs> well, yeah, we, oui, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Mark, uh, what you say, uh, anything you want to see in season three of Iron Fist, and then say your goodbyes and let people know where they can find you. I, I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud, but I'm, I'm with Angie that uh, I'd like to see some fill-in between uh, the four-month gap that they were on the road running around doing stuff and I think probably the best way to do it is to do a Green Lantern or to do a Green Arrow uh, flashback uh, as we're getting the modern day stuff. Because mm. I, because I, because I want, I, I don't want to 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 dial back to the beginning when they've already shown us how cool the the gunslinger rig is. So I kind of want to keep going forward with that, but. Maybe just for this one season and not five or six years in a row. <laughs> for the one season, we can get flashbacks interspersed with uh, modern day uh, adventuring. And change the uh, beginning of the show to say, my name is Danny Rand. <laughs> <laughs> After five years on a deserted island, I came back with only one thing. <laughs> Sorry. I, uh, I totally, um, uh, I, I, I really want to see the pulp stuff come into season three that's going to be awesome i didn't i did i frankly didn't know that we were going to get there or that they were going to bring that in so now that that cat is out of the bag uh full speed ahead gentlemen um you can find me uh on the gentleman nerds uh podcast uh you can also i have an official mark finn um uh fan page on facebook uh and uh a twitter 
called Finn's Wake, and I've got two blogs that you can catch me at. Uh, the Finn's Wake blog, which is Mark the Aging Hipster uh, at Blogspot, and the new one is Confessions of a Reformed RPGer, and that's also on Blogspot because I'm a cheap bastard. Uh, but uh, those are both equally and oppositely geeky uh, content that's being updated pretty re- pretty regularly now. So there you go. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, no problem. And uh, Ryan and Angie, thank you for being on the show. Thanks. It was a blast. And that's it for the Immortal Iron Fist. This time, it's literally it for the Immortal Iron Fist, because we're not going to get that show back. And, you know, I'm kind of disappointed. And with the, you know, with the news out of Marvel that they've officially declared Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Peggy Carter non-canon, I'm fairly sure at some point that they will do the same with all the Netflix stuff. And, you know, it's just, it would have been nice if they tried to incorporate that material. I realize Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the final two seasons made it really difficult, but I still feel like the Netflix stuff could have very easily been incorporated into the MCU. But I just really think that Feige wants to have control over all of the characters and doesn't want to acknowledge anything that was done by Jeff Loeb over on the Marvel TV side. So it's sad, but we're just going to have to deal with it. But we want to know what you think. So you can let us know in a variety of ways. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. Another way is to go to our website at 42cast.com. You can go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash 42cast. You can also go to our Instagram or Twitter accounts at at 42cast. You can also leave us reviews on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. The reviews on Apple Podcasts help Apple determine whether or not they promote our show or not, so I would appreciate if you would help us out there. The SO Patreon is a thing that I should inform you of. It is a way of using your hard-earned cash to help us keep on the air. It helps all the ESO shows. There are lots of different tiers. You just go to patreon.com slash ESO network. You can check that out. And yeah, if you would like to help us out and you have the funds available, then we would appreciate it. I also am going to plug my two other podcasts. One is Time Streams, which is where my friend Juliet and I are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning, talking about it. If that sounds interesting to you, check it out. No reason that you have to watch the episodes with us because we explain everything. I know some people find 60s television hard to get through, so don't worry about that part. If you like our banner, just listen to the show. But yeah, if you want to watch along with us, you'll definitely get more out of it. The other show is Legendary Forces, which is where myself and four other people, we are going through all of Star Wars fictional media from the beginning. And we're checking that out. We're sort of talking about Star Wars as it evolves, how it grows. And at the same time, we are reviewing the media itself to let you know if it's worth your time to check it out. Even if it's officially non-canon by Disney, if something's good, it's good. So we'll let you know that too. And by the time this airs, I am really hoping that that is out. So look for that as well. Legendary Forces. Not much in the con update department. Uh, Hopefully I will know more about Virtual Dragon Con by the time I record my outro for the next episode. But nothing new there. Still going to Chicago TARDIS. May go to C2E2. That one's really up in the air. So that's it for that. But I will definitely let you know when I know more about Virtual Con panels with Dragon Con. And also what I'm doing at Chicago TARDIS. But that's all that I have for this week. Join us back next week when William Shatner 
will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2021 got a question for the ultimate answer contact us at everything at 42 cast.com theme music is sharper swords by brandon ellis check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com the 42 cast is a proud member of the eso network has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.